0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the Not-So-Solitary Fortress. That is WaitWhatPodcast.com. For episode 269, Graham McMillan and I open with a spoiler-free discussion of Avengers Endgame and close with a spoiler-filled discussion of Heroes in Crisis number 8 by Tom Kane, Mitch Gerrards, and Clay Mon. In between, we talk Justice League, The Dark Side War by Jeff Johns, Jason Faybach, Francis Manipole, and many others, The Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, and other titles now available on DC Universe, Smashed by Juji Ito, The Very Strange State of DC Continuity at the Moment, The Delightful Peter Cannon Thunderbolt, issue number four by Karen Dillon and Casper Wundgaard, and much, much more. Comments on this episode are available at WaitWhatPodcast.com. Send us your questions at WaitWhatPodcast at gmail.com and we invite you to look out for us on twitter tumblr instagram and patreon as always we hope you enjoy and thank you for listening That's lester graham mcmillan hello hello there how are you oh man i'm kind of a mess but but oh no. okay yeah it's <coughs> allergies a little out of control uh my nieces had their walkathon today, so which meant that Edie and I walked something like literally seven miles. Um, and the oldest amateur yeah i know right was <laughs> still enough to knock me on my ass and then there's the other background stuff going on with the apartment and everything it's just been um, kind of a day that. yeah yeah yeah
1: i'm well is it just today or has it been like a week and this is just like the latest day of the week
0: <laughs> no no actually i've been pretty grateful last week was mostly incredibly mellow at work which was great and um, then you just had a terrible day. Oh, God, that's almost worse.
1: <laughs> it
0: wasn't I, so I, terrible, but it was a lot. So I'm a little tapped out, is what I'm saying.
1: Did, did I ever tell you, and this is like, this is a, a new height of complete diversions for us. Did I ever tell you about the time I had Reiki done to me? And this is way back when I was in San Francisco. No. So, um, and like, we're talking way back when I was in San Francisco, because I was still working for this marketing firm. Mm -hmm. And someone I worked with was training to do Reiki. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Eh." but here's the thing. My sister trained to do Reiki. um, Really? I I, I left for the States. And so I wasn't like completely out of hand. And I was like, you know what? Fine. Because this person was more or less like, you know, I just want someone to to practice on. And I was like, sure. Like you can do Reiki and me. Mm -hmm. And so, uh it was like uh it was definitely the middle of the week so i went to work the next day but she did reiki on me and jeff i felt amazing that night like i I was like i feel not only do i physically feel better like i emotionally feel better like this is Mm -hmm. great Mm -hmm. 100 100 works i'm very surprised this is great went into work the next day and i was like i feel amazing bring it on world and the world did oh god yeah and I genuinely felt that the Reiki had also like ripped off my armor. <laughs> <'Cause-> <laughs> Like, the bad that happens, which wasn't even that bad, but everything felt like it was just, like, pummel me to the ground. Like, you know the cartoon where, like, a sledgehammer just flattened you yes. and then pop back up? The, it, the entire day felt like that. And oh. I was like, oh, that's what it is. I never want to feel good because then <laughs> the world will happen. <laughs> and I want to so every time I hear someone go, like, you know, I've had a great week and then this happened, and I was like, oh, that's worse. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it's almost, it's almost better to just have, like, a continually crappy week. <laughs> and then you're like, well, today was just another day of crap i i'm i'm like
0: i've had a great week and then this happened i'm actually i'm actually i I appreciate it i see where you're coming from i'm i'm so relieved that i disagree like honestly (laughs) one day where it's basically my my nieces running me into the ground coming back collapsing into a nap and then waking up to fret about some other stuff is so minor to some of the weeks of hell i've had at work that it's like I'll take it like tomorrow's going to be a little tight, but it's, it's fine. And honestly, I think this upcoming week at work is actually going to be uh, crazy. So I'm actually sort of like, no, I think I needed it. And I need as positive an outlook as I can. Cause I'm like looking at this upcoming week and being like, Oh God, of course.
1: I had, this is obviously like Avengers week. As yes. It's like Avengers technically came out yesterday, even though it really came out on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Um, which meant like you know, it's just crazy. It's a really crazy work week for me because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of hilariously like writing stuff in advance. Mm, I bet, um, yeah. And writing stuff before you've seen the film and basically like guessing. Like I had the great thing where Matt Terrell was like, "That thing you wrote on wired for the five comics you should read after Endgame, those are great picks." And I was like, "Mad, I wrote that before I saw the film." <laughs> because i had to right right i didn't see the film until thursday night and and yet i had to hand this in right on thursday morning yeah yeah yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of that there's a lot of just like stuff that you have to write and then you see the film and there's stuff you have to write for like the following week mm-hmm. and so we're recording this on saturday i have two things i have to write probably tomorrow for monday morning oh uh, jeez. neither of which are avengers related but other stuff still happens during all this oh of course yeah Yeah. and Mm -hmm. it's just this weird thing we're like why am i working so hard yeah and why do i still have to work so hard like it's just it's it's been it's been a weird week for me that way
0: (laughs) yeah yeah definitely it's you know the it's funny how much the entertainment reporting slash enter you know as, as something that's sort of a specialized field you know the the entertainment writing with the the nerd beat yeah is so intense now like it's the that that news cycle has has changed so much just in the course of like what four or five years right oh
1: god yeah i mean it really does i i think about and part of it is like the the environment has Mm -hmm. like i've been doing this you know for a long time i've been doing this longer than the marvel movies existed wow right right Mm -hmm. um but I was, like, I've been at THR for so long that, like, Avengers Age of Ultron came out while I was still at THR. hmm hmm Right? And there was nothing, nothing like the the expectation or the, the craziness mm-hmm. surrounding Endgame that there was back then. And not that, you know, I mean, there's obviously all these things where were like, well, you know, this is quote-unquote the end. And, you know, this had the cliffhanger and everything. But... Avengers Age Voltron was, like, the follow-up to one of the most successful films of all time. Right. You know? and and But it really was just people being like, well, it's going to be the second one. Hope it's good. Whereas this one was, like, you know, insane. The well, expectations in this one were really, really genuinely insane.
0: Be- well, because this one, I mean, it's... It you know, it's an exponential increase just in terms of the cast and the running time. And you know what I mean? So it, it, it sort of makes sense to me. I, I think um, the thing that, that blows my mind is, so, you know, you're writing, like you said, before there's the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? And then essentially it gets rolling and that's like, okay, it's pu- huffing and puffing along and it's like a movie a year and then it's kind of two movies a year. And then because it's
1: three movies a year. Yeah. Yes,
0: it's three movies a year. And then Star Wars gets purchased by Disney and they're doing a movie a year. And then DC Warner Brothers tries to kick their universe into high gear and so they're
1: doing two oh, it's, movies it's, a year. It's it's not and then you realize like the weird hierarchy that exists as well. Mm-hmm. So like Marvel movies trump everything, even Trump Star Wars. Yeah. You're right. right, which is crazy. But it, it's basically like, it's Marvel, Star Wars, mm-hmm. then probably DC, and like way far down the line, you get like, you know, Fox's X-Men movie, Right, right. Like, Dark Phoenix is coming out this year, and no one gives a shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. No one cares. Yeah. You know, like, the new Mutants film is probably going to utterly disappear. Yeah. It will never get released. Yep.
0: And no one really cares. Yep. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and so... You know, but going from basically the days when I remember, you know, you, Hollywood Reporter or io9, knowing you and other people who have written for it and being kind of like, you know, kind of like, oh, God, like, you know, we're going to have to maybe we can do a supernatural recap to, you know, pump up the what, you know, to pump up the action. Oh,
1: God, like thinking about the early days of io9, Mm -hmm. you know, where... You you know Iron Man was it must like Iron Man must have been out because Iron Man launched in like 2018, uh, uh, 2008 rather mm-hmm. uh, so Iron Man was probably that year,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I remember like the the it wasn't a thing at all like people were like is Iron Man going to be a hit <laughs> right. you know mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right 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 yeah right. it's 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 so it's so strange it's it's so really so. Uh, Again, let's just continue this diversion. First of all, have you seen Endgame?
0: First of all, I have not, so I will
1: not say anything about it or spoil anything.
0: Excuse me, I'm muting myself a lot because I'm coughing. Um, ah, got it. But I like the idea I mean, I, you were I, muting it and yelling spoilers. Um, yeah, exactly. I'm just like oh, you know, and then capsus
1: blah blah blah. Um, I'm I'm uh, I saw this Thursday and I. Was genuinely surprised how much I liked it. Oh, good! Um, it does everything. It's uh, like it's 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 a victory lap. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it's it, it's fan service. It's victory lap, and it does all that very well. It Does everything you expect it to do, but it also does it with a sense of humor mm-hmm. that like infin- Infinity War just did not have.
2: Hmm.
1: You know, like i i find infinity war and i rewatched. I actually rewatched all the avengers films um in the run up to it mm-hmm. um and infinity war is just like don't come wrong a lot happens in it mm-hmm. but it's kind of joyless mm-hmm. you know what i mean like even the comedy that's there is kind of grim and sort of like by the numbers and that's not true of endgame at all endgame is a surprisingly funny film mm-hmm. uh, especially considering you know yeah, it happens after like Thanos has won and like mm-hmm. half of all life is dead, including the majority of the superheroes. It is a surprisingly funny film.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not all the humor lands, mm-hmm. uh, and this is not a spoiler, but not like there's there's bits where you're like, oh, like drop this joke for the love of God. Right. Uh, but it's it's surprisingly funny. the The emotions land for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I did tear up a part of the film. Oh wow, well, look at that. And for not the probably not the part that anyone else teared up at. Right. But there is a part where I, I like I, I really like it really got to me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and so I came away being like, Yeah, you did the job. Like you mm-hmm. know, you, you there's a lot that doesn't work about it. There's a lot that's just like fascinating in mm-hmm. retrospect. Mm-hmm. Uh but I don't want to go into that. It's a spoiler. Like right. I don't even want to hint at it, it's a spoiler. And I think those who haven't seen it. And once see it, she go into it as unspoiled as
0: possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: really dramatically. Like I had a lot spoiled from me before I went to see it. Mm. Uh, some quasi intentionally,
0: mm-hmm.
1: some literally by accident. Like I, I think I said on Twitter, Google Prompt
0: spoiled one of the big moments of the film. From for me. Google, you mentioned Google spoiled it, not Google Prompt. That Google, is... I was doing an image search, Jeff. Oh. No, sorry,
1: not an image search. A regular search. Mm-hmm. Um, and I typed in two words, mm-hmm. and the first prompt
0: was a spoiler. Get the out. first prompt was a spoiler. That's, which is nuts. To that me. is nuts. That is totally insane. That is uh, and what's really funny ever.
1: is uh, Aaron, my THR editor, had seen the film he saw it on Monday,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I was like motherfucker google just like google prompts just spoiled endgame for me and he's like what did it say and i told him and he's like well you don't know that's like people might just be searching to see if it happens and it was so specific i was like there's no way yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's literally no way mm-hmm. that that you know people just happen to be searching that enough for it to be at the top of google prompt yeah. by accident yep you know um it was the first prompt jeff it was nuts um but and I'm not going to say like I'm not even going to hint what the prompt Please is. Please don't.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, I appreciate all it. of that
1: spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, like I went into it with a fair amount uh, spoiled, and I still enjoyed it because mm-hmm. again I went into like Infinity War spoiled for for the end, mm-hmm. right? Because that that did just I feel like that leaked yeah. fairly clearly mm-hmm. before the film came out, right. as opposed to this, which I, I think you know for the most part spoilers were kept away.
0: <laughs> um, I wonder if it's because they it, it really was the Tom Holland effect, you know?
1: Yeah, maybe. Mm,
0: yeah. Um
1: but it it's it's funny because uh like I, I Infinity War I feel was lessened by me knowing the ending.
2: hmm mm-hmm.
1: and Endgame is not mm-hmm. at all. Um Endgame is far more airy, far more breezy, far more nuts to be honest. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like, they make lots of choices that are kind of dumb, Mm -hmm. but, like, dumb in a fun way Mm -hmm. um, that I really appreciated, that I really, really enjoyed. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Sorry, before – I've actually distracted myself for once. I wasn't going to talk about Endgame because you hadn't seen it. I was going to say instead, like, uh, I want to say this is the first time – like, we did draw last week. Yes. But the week before that, I was at Star Wars Celebration. Right. Right, so this is the first time we've talked since I've been at Star Wars convention, mm-hmm. and I've been at Star Wars convention for the reveal of the 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 trailer and the the name of the next movie. Right, and what was really interesting is seeing how that fandom, which is like literally the core Star Wars fandom, they've paid hundreds of dollars to be there, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, seeing how that fandom responded versus, like, seeing how Marvel fandom responds. Mm-hmm. And it's weird that I think that Marvel fandom is actually weirdly more rabid than Star Wars fandom. <laughs> like, that's nuts
0: to me. <laughs> I, I, are you the same or not? Like, uh, I, well, I, I got to admit, so here, I, I do not pay much attention to either fan base like I don't I don't go to cons you know it's it's just sort of the weird booming reverberations on social media right and for whatever it's worth I just feel what I do feel is that the Marvel stuff bridged generations in a way that I'm not sure the Star Wars stuff did as fully, you know, like, because with Marvel, you got the Marvel old school comic book nerds who are so excited to see these characters come to life. But the number of people who have been won over by the Marvel the movies, movies. Yes. is. And for whom Marvel means the movies. Exactly. And nothing but, and they are huge fans of it, is, is is uh, is amazing. It, and I, whereas I feel that when Disney bought Star Wars and started with the, you know, the third trilogy, the goal was definitely to try and kind of follow in those footsteps um, and build a new, you know, build a new fandom and a new generation of fans. But it's a combo of they haven't been around as much and it, and I just don't think, I don't think that that bridging has worked quite as well in a way. Like for kids, I mean, I mean, I'm, I have a skewed perspective because my, you know, uh, my in-laws decided to name their second child Ray before the, you know, force awakens comes out. Yeah. But you know, she couldn't be more into it. And there's a a huge number of Star Wars fans on on the schoolyard, which I think is good. And who knows, maybe in five or 10 years, that's really going to translate. But, you know, again, it could be because of my presence and my nerd signaling. I'll talk to people like in the office and if they're not talking about, you know, Game of Thrones, they're going to be talking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And because there's so many more flavors, you know what I mean? Like Mm. people poo-pooed Ant-Man. But I heard some people talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp at work. And it was like, these people are fans of those movies, you know? But they're also fans of the larger movies. And that somehow manages to, that weird thing of being able to be dialed in and yet, be aware that it's something larger that you generally are approve of. Whereas Star Wars is still Star Wars. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no, I think, I think particularly the solo movie uh, among other things really kind of reinforced that idea that outside of Star Wars, you know, there's, there's the idea that you can have stripes and flavors of it you know is not really the same thing
1: i yeah I am i star Wars celebration was really interesting for me mm-hmm. um I came away realizing that I liked Star Wars a lot more than I thought I did hmm um and also that I liked Star Wars fandom much more than I thought I did
0: oh well that's good
1: too um it was uh, it, unerringly and again you're seeing a particular stripe of fandom. You're seeing people who are willing to pay hundreds of dollars to get right. a Star Wars convention, yep. right? So this yep, yep. is not all of Star Wars fans. Right. You know? Well, um, but at
0: least there weren't people, like, burning The Last Jedi in effigy. I mean, that's well, the other thing, sure. think, yeah, too. yes. You know?
1: But I guess what I was going to say is uh, one of the things that surprised me and is different from other conventions was unerringly the people I saw at Star Wars you know, celebrations mm-hmm. were enthusiastic kind outgoing mm-hmm. and it was repeatedly um because I, I i went to the big panels mm-hmm. right i went i went to like the movie panel the mandalorian panel um, the galaxy's edge panel which are in like the big big rooms and are, are live streamed and everything and i saw the the pre-show mm-hmm. like warm-up guys and one of the things that that came One of the things that was repeated in that from the warm-up guys, from seeing Warwick Davis up there doing his thing, was they kept on more or less being like, you know, you're here because you're fans and everyone else is here because they're fans and you have a bond with these people. And these people are strangers, but they're not strangers because you have this in common. So you should talk to these other people. Hmm. It's important that you talk to these other people because people are going to be here by themselves and they might be lonely. And they shouldn't be lonely because you are... Have more of a shared interest than probably other people in their lives. So we like, and they would, they would encourage people in these in these panels mm. to say, like in the pre-show, to be like, just talk to the person next to you, mm-hmm. just just talk to them, like ask them what their favorite film is, ask them who their favorite character is, and you'd see it happen, Jeff. Wow, which mm-hmm. is nuts, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like it really is. I've been going to San Diego for like fifteen years, mm-hmm. and, but that that was new and genuinely heartwarming. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Seeing people really enthusiastically like stop each other to uh, to compliment each other's cosplay when one person is like, you know, hardcore cosplayer. Do you know what I mean? Like right. they look like a movie prop and someone else has basically put cardboard around their jeans <laughs> and they are enthusi- like as enthusiastic to each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know like stuff like that was amazing like genuinely amazing and i was like this is great like right. I, I i i really like i didn't expect this from this mm-hmm. um, but so the, the the other thing i i realized was there are very there's very clearly generations of star wars fans mm-hmm. Right, They're the generations who grew up in the original trilogy, right. and they're, they're the kids now. Mm-hmm. And there are the kids now, and Star Wars for them is different from Star Wars for me. Mm-hmm. It is the books. It is the cartoons as much as the films. Mm-hmm. Like, for Star Wars is still the films, and, you know, they're comics. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, maybe the books. Like, I know the books exist, and I know the TV shows exist, but, like, right. I don't read the books mm-hmm. for the most part. I don't watch the TV shows for the most part. Right. Uh, and, like, I read the comics because it's comics. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I do. Um. So Star Wars really is a movie thing for me. And it is not for these new fans. You're right. Which as makes as well. sense.
0: Yeah. So it's rem- is, yeah.
1: is as much like, you know, Star Wars Rebels or, mm-hmm. or Clone know, Wars.
0: The Clone Wars, Wars, Wars show. Rebels
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's funny you saying, like, you know, there's not different flavors. I don't know if that's true. The other thing I'm mm-hmm. going to say is... Uh, So I'm there for THR, which means like I do the press line, which means I get to talk to Kathleen Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And Celebration starts the day after Bob Iger has said, we're basically taking a break on the movies. Mm. And so you bet your ass that the first thing I ask Kathleen Kennedy is, what the fuck? Right. And she says outright, um, we were always going to. Like we we finish the final trilogy of the Skywalker saga, and then we do something else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, "Oh, that kind of makes sense, right? <laughs> like you take care of old business that that the existing fans wanted, mm-hmm. and then you do your different flavors, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Which I mean, we'll see what the other flavors are. Right. We'll see how how close it is to everything else that has gone before, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but something that Kennedy said a lot. JJ Abrams has said a lot. Um, is they see themselves as literally being caretakers for George Lucas, mm. especially with with Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I said it a lot during the Force Awakens promo tour as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very much like you know, it's all about George's vision, right? And that makes sense if you're finishing off the story, quote unquote, right? You know, and so. I agree that there's not been that many different flavors of Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. Marvel. And, you know, you can make an argument that there isn't really that many different flavors of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that that's something that could develop mm-hmm. if they want to develop it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but right now, you know, Marvel, Marvel puts out three movies a year. Yeah. And Marvel is just, like, by far the most dominant thing in, in, in movies. Absolutely absolutely
0: you know it, and it's which it'll be i will be curious to see how that happens at post end game like on the one hand you know there's some that's just it like if this is the ending mm-hmm. how many people are going how many people are going to show up for the next
1: spider-man film right. which is just in like 2 months yeah right. you know like if this is the ending do you want to give people like a year before you come back with something else and also do you want to come back with something that's bigger than spider-man
0: mhm mhm well yeah no I mean it it really does it it begs some questions there there was there se- seems to be um a loosening up and an opening up of the possibilities for a marvel film kind of over the last couple of films like you know Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther and Spider-Man all kind of point in some different directions that but they still, you know, they kind of, A, they still have to make good movies and B, there is a little bit of the, like, the, you know, phase one Marvel films, I feel, were such a, they didn't have to be that good. They just kind of had to exist,
1: you know? Yeah, yeah, very much. And you you go back and watch them now and you're like, huh? Right. Like, like watching the first Avengers Is hilarious now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because and I don't know how much of this is just like our expectations have changed, Mm -hmm. but like the opening scene of the first Avengers is that they're in like this shield base or whatever the base where like, you know, Skell and Skarsgård is like, you know, I'm trying to get the ultimate energy and then look, shows up. And it looks like nothing as much as like a sci-fi original movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like it looks so cheap Yeah. and the direction is terrible. And you're just like, how, how was this such a popular film at the time? Yeah. 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 yeah, It's just cheap as shit. And then honestly, by the end of it, Like I had found myself being won over by again. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and i I think there I think there's a lot to be said for most of those early first phase Marvel films. Then the you know some of the follow ups to the sequels either some of them got better or some of them got worse, and they kind (laughs) of right exactly. And so so I don't know. I just for me I'm sort of like Marvel has has an incredible amount of velocity but this is that point where they're changing gears and you can that's that's totally when you can you know flood the engine and stall out
1: you know yeah I mean, it, i'm I'm really curious post game because end game uh again no spoilers but end game does feel like a final film
2: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. like it legitimately does mm-hmm. um to the point where I want. I do wonder if if there are going to be fans who are like, okay, I, I've done it. But also because you can't go bigger than Endgame, right? Like you genuinely can't. Well, fit I guess, Infinity War, and Endgame as a, as a two-parter. Yes. Like, even if you go to like a three-parter, you can't go bigger than these films.
0: Yeah. 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 No, and I, I they kind of keep making noises like they don't want to do that, and I think that's smart. I, I it does sound like, and I. I actually, because I've been trying to stay away from spoilers, I've not been doing, and I'm not sure I'm reading as much entertainment news anyway. Honestly, you should just stay away from everything. Oh, I have been. I have been. It's been kind of weird. I'm like, I'm not looking at the internet. I'm not looking at Twitter. I'm not going back to them until I've seen the goddamn movie, you know? And I, I, but, you know, they certainly have made noises like, that, that the next phase of Marvel is, an, is kind of an attempt for them to to kind of do more and be more. And I do wonder if they're going to try and figure out ways to... To branch, do it. Yeah, exactly. To, to branch out the Marvel product in a way that it's like, it's a Marvel movie, but maybe not necessarily a superhero movie, you know, and how far can they get away from that or will want to get away with, for, from that. You know, I mean, it might be yeah, other sorry, genre much. stuff, but yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's weird, like, you know, you look at... Because they've... Since at least Guardians of the Galaxy, which is like mm-hmm. five years ago now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: they have made moves... They've made noises about, like, this is a different type of Marvel movie. Yeah. And honestly... Only around the edges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, not really. And there is so much more you could do differently for all its failings. Yep. You look at Warner Brothers what Warner Brothers done with the DC movies. Mm-hmm. And they are different types of movies. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like Shazam is different from Batman versus Superman. Yeah. You know, it's different from Justice League. It's mm-hmm. different and honestly, watching Avengers again. Avengers and Justice League are very similar. Um <laughs> Like you can tell, you can definitely see the Whedon in both. Put it that way; like they're 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 surprisingly similar. Um, But you know, they they are different films, and that's definitely been a drawback, I think, for them in the marketplace. Do you know what I mean? I I, because I think that if DC has done say five different flavors of movies, you know, four of them have not been to the audience's taste, right? Um, But they have been different, you know, and. I wonder if Marvel looks at that and somehow goes, okay, we want to be different, but we don't want to be so different that we don't give them what they want.
0: Well, you know, you, right. But I think what they're trying to do is, is again, figure out like, what is that? What is that thing that they want? And and so part of me is like, you know, does does that... <laughs> I, I, of course, in my back of my brain, I'm like, Skull the Slayer, baby, 2022, you know, but I, in a way, part well, no, of me... Yeah,
1: but I mean, like, you know, they're doing Eternals, and right. if you if you want to do Eternals in a particular way, you can make it a very non-superhero film. Yep, exactly, exactly.
0: You know, they they make it sound like they're proceeding with Master of Kung Fu, and Master of Kung Fu, no matter whatever else, unless they they trap it in a certain way, there's that has the potential to be a very different film, you know, there it's interesting. There's so much, there's a lot of people who are creative executives and people in Hollywood who grew, kind of grew up with Marvel right when it was like a much more fluid type of comic book company than Mm -hmm. it is now. And so I think there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I, you know, You can do a Machine Man movie that does not seem like a superhero movie per se, but could still seem like a Marvel movie. And I do think exactly. Yeah. You know, and and I think I'll be uh, we'll see if that's where they go or if, you know, they end up having to, you know, come up with some other approach. But they they've really it's it. If nothing else, it appears to be a pretty impressive execution, you know, over the course of all this stuff. I mean, there's a lot of undoubtedly like, you know, oh, no, 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 we meant to do that type cover-ups and things, and that's mm-hmm. fine. But, you know, generally, it's very easy to look at this as a, you know, in, in that sense, part of me is like, I don't think that any, you know, sort of... I don't know how this ties into Star Wars celebration, but part of me is like, I don't know if people should necessarily pay 13 to $20 to see a victory lap, you know, per se, you know, like companies, the, the, you know, the victory is in their, you know, soul crushing domination of oh, their popular sure, culture. Sure. But, but by it, the same token, it's, I'm aware that, like you said, it's it's a it's an enjoyable it is an enjoyable yes, experience. Yes, it's it's an
1: enjoyable victory lap. Yeah. It's a victory lap where you actually don't mind taking it with yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I, I'm really curious. I, I was having this conversation with with thr folk after celebration,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I was basically saying like, I wonder how much rise of uh, the rise of Skywalker is going to be influenced by Endgame success or lack thereof. Mm. It's a 3 hour plus like Endgame is 3 hour plus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And is Jeff there's so much fan service in there. It's it's shocking. Wait, in Rise uh, of Skywalker or in Endgame? Like no, in Endgame. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Who, who knows? It's Skywalker. Yeah, okay. Um but that was kind of my point. Like mm-hmm. who knows what is in Rise of Skywalker if Endgame underperformed. Like it was never no, it was never going to fail. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Endgame came in under expectations and only made a shit ton of money as opposed to a record-breaking shit ton of money. Mm-hmm. Um, would Lucasfilm have looked at that and been like, "Okay, we're going to aim more for the two hours uh, than three hours, and um, we're going to, you know, really try and pare the story back mm-hmm. to the essentials"? But now that Endgame is is you know breaking all the fucking records, mm-hmm. are Lucasfilm going to be like, "Okay, we can make this as long as we want"? and we can pile on every single reference in easter egg that that we thought of
2: mm-hmm.
1: because audience have shown that they are there for that shit right you know it, it's going to be really interesting to see how if at all the the star wars movie is is impacted by avengers yeah um it's also very strange that disney's two biggest franchises which also happen to be cinema's two biggest franchises are coming to quote-unquote an ending in the same year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like that's a really genuinely odd coincidence and i wonder if like disney is nervous about 2020 because of this
0: yeah i think so i mean it 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 yeah i well disney's like they probably feel great about 2019 sure but Yeah, no, 2019.
1: How is 2020 going to look? Especially because we know for a fact there's no Star Wars movie next year. Right.
0: Well, and you start looking at... I mean that I you know the, right they have to sit down and they have to tell their investors you know hey look you guys got to adjust your expectations I assume they have but the you know Disney on the one hand it's sort of how does Disney measure this stuff Disney is using these brands to move into everything and everywhere and so on the one hand I'm sure you're right the fact that they don't have a big movie on the other hand, it already seems to me like Disney has pivoted because as, as you know, there's been a lot of T V show announcements,
1: and yes, of course yes.
0: the whole oh, I, angle of Disney I, Plus, you know. I've got to tell
1: you, I think, and I might be alone in this, but I think Endgame aggressively sets up the Disney Plus shows. Mm. And I and I I don't know if I'm imagining that. Mm-hmm. But I really really see setups for all three of the announced disney plus shows in endgame
2: mm-hmm.
1: like really strong ones huh. um which is which was really interesting to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where i was like oh, of course that's where you go with that right oh that's where you go with that one right. that's why they've announced that show mm-hmm. like some
0: announcements that seemed a bit odd hmm now make a lot more sense after seeing that game. that that makes sense to me because i remember seeing uh watching infinity war and having only recently seen a few um things recently before like changes that they'd made to like dr strange or to spider-man i you know where it felt kind of capricious made a lot more sense in the context of infinity war it was kind of right yeah yeah oh okay i see why they did this so so i do think that there is a a sort of behind the scenes yes we know Mm -hmm. what we're doing or where we're going so hopefully that 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 i you know hopefully that works out because it's you know they seem to have they seem to have pulled things off against really heavy odds
1: yeah yeah they really have they really have and what's what's been really interesting is well two things one endgame is three hours plus long right um i went to a screening on thursday night Mm -hmm. and i got there jeff an hour early Mm -hmm. and there were almost no seats left (laughs) yep yeah hour early Mm -hmm. which is nuts Mm -hmm. um but i left that theater going i might want to see that again this weekend wow yeah
0: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: I believe it. You know, I, yeah. that's, and that's the thing. But the other thing is, I've seen so many people online be like, "I'm done with Marvel, but I'm going to see Endgame so I can have closure." And it's like this is how they're making their fortune, yeah, right? Even the people who say they're
0: not fans anymore want to go and see the film. Well, true, that is true. It's that idea of like anyone who's bought into it and bought out will buy in for the ending. So we'll see. We'll see if that's true. We'll see if that's true. I, I, oh, it is. I, like, I, mean, I think it's it
1: already yeah. the most globally successful opening ever,
0: yeah. and it's Saturday.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I guess what I mean is, is we'll see if they really stay out. In other words, is what I mean. I don't doubt that. It was so clear that this was going to be uh absurdly enormous. Um and everyone's just like, Well, let's just see let's see how absurdly enormous it ends up yeah, being. What you know?
1: what's funny is there were a lot of of, you know, uh, forecasts ahead of time they're like, It's going to be this enormous. Mm-hmm. And what's been funny is pretty much on Thursday night people were like, It's going to be much more enormous than we thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because um, it was it was forecast to break three hundred million domestically. Mm-hmm. And people are now seriously thinking it might break four hundred million. Oof! Yeah,
0: I believe. Which is just, I mean, crazy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Do you know crazy. what I mean? Like the difference there is like the haul of an entire film. Yes. Yeah. Completely. No, it's it really is. It is. It's pretty insane. So... Yeah. It's it's
1: it's really really impressive. Like, good job tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, you you did it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what you did needed to be done. Right but you did it yep
0: yep 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 yeah it's kind of an amazing it's
1: i an amazing i thing. i honestly like i hope you see it soon and i hope we get to talk about it yeah i i was would... there are a bunch of things i want to talk to you about
0: i'm i'm hoping that by our podcast next week i'll have seen it but i don't know because mm-hmm. i think i think that i there's enough that i might be able to even though work itself might be hell, I might—I don't know if I'll necessarily be getting out super late, so if I can nail down, you know, Well, the other thing tickets. is, like,
1: it is three hours long. Like, yeah. it's not a film where you're like, huh, oh, got out of work, and, you know, now I'm going to go and get some dinner, and then go to the movie. No, seriously. <laughs> I got out of work, and then I went to some dinner, and then, oh,
0: it's already 8 o'clock. Well, I guess that showing isn't until 12. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, except they stagger it all over the place. But even still, for me, it's like... Eight o'clock, which means if I even if it is showing, I wouldn't get out until after eleven, which means I yes. would be going to bed till midnight. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm an old person, you know. It's like I'll see it eventually, and honestly, I think I might be enjoying having a break from Twitter. So you know, this might be a win exactly. win. Yeah, it might not be the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jeff never sees Endgame and never comes back to the internet. It's like ah. Success. Success. These things happen. Yep. So, Graham, as you pointed out, you know, we, of course, talked last week for uh, Drock, which was a fabulous uh, set of Judge Dredd progs to read. Um, but I assume, like me, you've also been reading comics and especially, you know, since the last time that we've talked, uh, DC Universe, as promised, more or less... You know, added twenty thousand comic books to their service. So, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about that, about what we've been reading, you know, that kind of thing. Comics, yeah. comics. Tell me, Jeff. What? <laughs> I know. Um, what's funny
1: is we. So we we did drug last week, and you and I both said it. Then drugs, like we were still in the mood to read judge trade. Weirdly enough. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I cheated. I read Robo Hunter Volume 1. Uh. Uh, and actually, the reason I did so was I was reading, before we recorded Rock, um, the Thrill Power Overload.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I realized that Robo Hunter launches basically at the period when Wagner takes over Tread. Mm. Like just in the weeks leading up to uh, the day the, the law died. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so, you know, I've literally just had this conversation with Jeff for, like, two hours about how great John Wagner is, mm-hmm. and he's on top of his game. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read what else he was writing at the time. <laughs> uh, and I had a really I had a really good experience with it. I should say that up front. Okay. I like Rob Hunter a lot, and mm-hmm. I actually like Robo Hunter more after reading it this time. Mm-hmm. In large part because... I feel like I actually read it this time, mm. as opposed to I compared it to my memories of it. Mm. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, it's it's much better if I'm actually reading the comic. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that that was that was a fun discovery. Mm. It's nowhere near up to the quality of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it's just not, and that's not a slight on it. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you and I have been very clear about just how fucking good Dread is. Yeah, And to say this is not up to that quality is, you know, almost meaningless. Right. What else is up to that quality? Right. Um, but it is, it is a really fun uh, genre pastiche mm-hmm. that Dread, I think, starts lighter and gets darker as a strip Mm -hmm. Uh, or or at least gets I feel like, you know, Wagner gets his feet underneath him and he, even the humor gets darker in a weird way Mm -hmm.
0: right? And and Rob Wander goes in entirely the other direction Well, you know, I I actually want to say to me like, just hearing that part of what really makes sense to me is that I feel Wagner realizes how much dread well well before Mills and to Better Ends, how much dread does not have to be a pastiche. We talked very much about how Case Volume 1 and even to an extent Case Volume 2, there's a lot of Western influence on dread and they keep sort of veering towards Westerns as a way to kind of uh, sort of look for that kind of pastiche angle to, to hang the hat on, you know, to, to make it understandable. But I mm-hmm. I think that, you know, Wagner very quickly realizes that the d- Dread and Mega City One are, rel- are relatively unique. You can do any sort of stuff in there, but it's always, it becomes a flavoring rather than I can see a way in which uh, Robo Hunter couldn't kind of help but be less inventive because once you're in the realm of a stronger genre pastiche, it's almost easier to have the, you know, you've got the rails for the car to to roll on, you know? I don't know if that's really true, but it's sort of, in order for Dread to work, it almost has to be more inventive. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's
1: it's really weird. Also, I realized that, oh, on, on reading Robohunter again
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I think it's meant to take place in the future of Dread, huh. at, le- at least initially. Like, they make references to megacities. Huh. Um, but uh, it, it's a very, very different strip. Mm-hmm. And it's a strip that, A, when it starts, like uh, at the very first storyline, mm-hmm. um... It's It has a great hook, mm-hmm. right? Like a very simple science fiction hook, which is in a future where robots are commonplace, but there are robo hunters who are essentially responsible for taking care of, of errant robots. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a planet where droids were sent to essentially terraform a planet before humans showed up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the humans went there, and then they lost all contact with them. Mm. And so they're sending a robot there to find out what happened.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good hook.
1: That's a great hook. Yeah. that's a great hook, right? Mm-hmm. And the there's a retooling. The strip goes on on a break for a few weeks mm-hmm. when uh, when 2003 and I think Tornado merge. No, I think it's 2008 and Star Lord impact mm-hmm. uh, merge. And the strip go, literally stops mid story. Right, and then comes back I and mean, when it comes back, it's been significantly retooled.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And part of that is it goes much sillier, sillier much quicker.
2: Mm.
1: Huh. You know, and it's kind of a shame because as much as I do love the comedy of RoboHunter, basically by the time you get into like the second or third storyline, mm-hmm. um there's there's something really great about like the core concepts of RoboHunter Hunters as, as it starts. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, oh, that's a really good hook, though. Like, you really could do something with that. Yeah, completely. Yeah, it, it's yeah, it, it's it's such an odd experience. But no, I so I read I read Rob Hunter, and then as you said, like I have been reliving my DC Comics past and DC Universe app.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's basically all I've been reading, apart from things I can't talk about.
0: Oh, uh, the can't the the I I, I I can't I,
1: talk about maneuver. Yes, because I, I, everyone. Like, by the time this goes live, I might even be up on Monday morning, THR is announcing a, a new series um, for DC. And I got to read some. Wow. And so, like, I, you know, it's it's literally one of those. That's the thing. Like, these days, I am reading old comics or I'm reading homework for work.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally You know, it's,
1: it. just, it's just a really weird thing. But no, I, I've been reading a lot of DC Universe.
0: Mm-hmm. One thing that I do have to say, cause I do, I, I want to dive into what we've been reading and why and what's available uh, is I really have to give it up for DC universe in the sense of, of uh, I, I, I know that I've talked about my frustrations before with the Marvel universe app, where even when it seems to be working great, I can really not get any more than maybe five or six comics into it before I start getting loading errors. And Back when that used to happen, a lot more uh, helpful whatnot suggested, you know, it's essentially you download the 12 for offload reading, for offline reading, and then you read them and then you return them and then you just keep going. That is, uh, that always worked well for me, that method. And so I stuck with it. It does not lend itself unsurprisingly to spontaneous reading. Whereas I find that the DC Universe app for me, what, excuse me, I have it open in my iPad and I'm reading it. I can continue to just read on the fly and there might be a delay or two as a page downloads
3: mm-hmm.
0: in the very first page or two. And then after that, it's it's seamless all the way through. If I leave the app to do something like tweet and come back into the app and I'm mid-comic, um, I'll get an error message and I basically have to close the app and reopen it and go back in so it's very minor all of which is to say a because it's a better browsing it's better at being able to browse and read things spontaneously i've really enjoyed being able to just kind of go through and be like oh i should read this or oh this makes me think of that do they have any of that oh i should read this kind of okay so now i'm really curious what have you been reading uh, I will tell you uh, the my my big love and one of my big disappointments was um, uh, I started uh, reading Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love, which um, was edited by was it Dorothy Woolfield? I'll I'll get the name right for the quotes, but it is, you know, she was one of the longest female comics editors working in the business. She had started like in the forties and continued to work at DC in through the 70s, although, you know, having to do put up with a lot of bullshit. And I um I I actually was drawn to Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love because of the the hook. It starts in 71. Each issue is a full-length novel that is, it is gothic romances. So it's literally woman comes to a castle and, you know, starts to fall in love with someone. But because it's an extra-sized issue, I, I feel like each one of the the issues is like 30 pages or something like that, um, and is one story. It actually gets in a lot of the gothic romance tropes as I remember them from a kid. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. there's mysterious ghosts and who's that strange suitor? And and so I was really digging those. But at issue five, they changed their name from The Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love to Forbidden Tales of Dark Mansion. And that is issue five, Uh, is the very last issue of that full length format. It's also very interesting because the art really flips back and forth. There's like Don Heck drawn issues. And then there's also issues that are early, like Ernie Chawa when he's Ernest Chawa. And I don't remember who it was. Maybe it's something, it looked really good. It was, uh, God, was it Don Heck inked by Tony Zaniga or something, but it's, it's, is surprisingly good anyway unfortunately after that issue six forbidden tales of dark mansion it becomes a traditional yeah anthology title the the first one of which has a kirby story that is so like it's amazing i like it's the perfect blend of i was reading it being like oh this must be like kirby from the simon and kirby days because it's sort of a you know this is a true story all the names have been changed it's the man with esp but the more i read it i'm like no this is this is current kirby this is current kirby art and so that kind of helped uh with my complete resulting depression but um but after that, it's kind of all downhill. It's Jerry Conway, and it's like, ooh, cats are scary, you know? And <laughs> It's
1: kind of amazing to me that that is actually on there.
0: Because, like, you don't have, like,
1: ghosts or any of those other 1970s horror titles on there.
0: Yeah, no, I it's, it's very strange that the entire run is on there. It's one of those really rare situations where, uh, I mean, I think, as, as you know, with Marvel Unlimited when they clean up the pages and they do some sort of weird specialty omnibus it's about 6 or 9 months and then it ends up on marvel unlimited D- yeah. dc for whatever reason must have done the same thing with the dark mansions and then someone just plunked them all on comicsology so they got ported over uh i guess so um, so I read those. That was lovely. Of course, I retweeted someone who was like, hey, Wildcats Aliens is, is you know, on the app. And I'm like, is that that awesome Warren Ellis, like the aliens kill everything? Uh, yes, it is. Issue? Right. And it was a fun reread. But I got to tell you, I was like, wow, my memory totally remembers this so differently. Like, I really did think that I had read the issue of Stormwatch where they just all get killed. And I'm like, wait, where's the issue before this? This was the issue before this. Well, great. I'm going insane. I read the first because, (laughs) of course, we have been, um, you know, uh, experienced seeing the miracle that is Brian Boland uh, in his prime on Dread. I was like, fuck, Camelot 3000. I... I've never oh, managed to make is my way through. Camelot 3000 on there? Yes, it is. Oh, yes, oh, it God. is. So I'm like, yeah, I'll give that a try. And I read the first issue, and it's the same time, same thing as I read that first issue every time. I'm like, I got to tap out. The thing that's interesting to, for me is reading Camelot 3000, it's a mature reader series, quote, unquote. And, I mean, it gets mature, of course, later on. But that first issue... It's Mike Barr and it's Brian Boland, and I really want to stress the importance that Brian Boland is co-creator and I think co-plotter on it, you know. And so it's Boland's baby, but it's kind of amazing to me how much Boland's work is such, um, you know, such such a um, money minting machine for 2000 AD with all the all the Dread reprints and of course the innumerable printings of the killing joke and camelot you know for a guy who actually is not especially productive camelot 3000 is a significant chunk of brian boland's comic output you know Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. yet it just languishes in the corner and when you read it it's it kind of makes sense like honestly but but wait isn't
1: camelot 3000 also really weird because boland doesn't think himself
0: uh in the first it, isn't
1: someone isn't someone else inking boland in the series ah uh, not in the first issue um uh, maybe it's later uh, let let me, no wait. no it is bruce patterson bruce patterson is inking boland oh at the very beginning huh yep oh. uh and then oh wow issue six dick Giordano wings brian boland wow that would actually in That's a way be worth nuts. seeing you know All Right? yeah let's see issue seven terry austin Wow. Inks issue seven. Okay, these are some wacky inking choices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I actually do have to look at Terry Austin inking Brian Boland because I honestly can't imagine that. It kind of breaks my brain a bit.
0: Yeah, I I can almost see it
1: honestly because I think they've got. Oh man, that's the weirdest. Uh, combination. Yeah. Oh, that's it's the weirdest combination.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's so weird because you can see both of them very present.
0: Yeah, I bet. Well, because Boland is he's a strong he's a strong spice, you know. Interestingly enough, I personally think that the thing that's a shame is because, you know, blabbing about this on Twitter, people reminded me of the stuff to come. But the first issue of Camelot 3000 actually reads more like a really good YA title, you know, like it honestly reads more young adulty. Like there's Mm -hmm. no kids in there, but it's so it's so well, it's it's it's. It's like it's kind of right. exactly so it's it's really at this point super super all ages and because because it's boland with mike w bar you know there's there's i mean it's mike w bar like he is really straightforward for it and part of it and it's not it's earnest and it's i mean but also re- reading the first issue i'm like this is the first time out of like three or four times that I read it. I'm like, motherfucker, it's just the first issue of Thor. Like it's the origin of Thor. Like they ripped off the fucking origin. It's like alien invaders, guy goes into a cave, finds an artifact, except instead of turning into Thor, he, he rouses King Arthur. And I'm like, huh, that's where that comes from. Amazing. Amazing. Exactly. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Well. Well. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I read that new Fifty Two Young Romance special that was so dull. I don't even remember reading it. <laughs> I read. I reread Grayson's Future End Number One because, of course, I've been so nonplussed with Tom King. It really was the. I had to do the. Was he ever really as good as I thought? Did I just? Oh, and was into he? It? In futures end he is. I mean it's it's plotted by him and uh Tim Seeley, but like that backward story works really well. He paces it out really smartly. And also I kinda had that thing of like, oh right, it's it's also it was also King, you know, King doing Grace and uh, maybe because he was doing it with Seeley, it was so much more um fun. Um you know, and it's like Right. There's there's more humor and there's more lightness in Grayson because he's, you know, he's kind of doing a fun spy comic. And in fact, one of the things that's interesting about Future's End is, you know, it's us, it's, a, it's a comic that ends with, you know, Dick Grayson is being hanged on the first page. And it's like, it is the grimmest setup possible. And as it goes on, it's King uh, and I do want to give full credit, you know, Seely plotting, um, cutting against that in a way that King himself now does not really do in the same way. You know, he mm-hmm. he definitely is not undermining things in, this, in the same way. Uh, I I totally did made myself feel um, filthy and ugly. And I read Doomsday Clock issues one through four. Um, And then I followed that up with Justice League issues 40 through 50, where I had only started reading the Dark Side War and trailed off after like maybe issue 42, maybe. Mm -hmm. And this way Mm -hmm. I followed through. And of course, read all the one shots and it's definitely one of the areas that's kind of a shame because uh excuse me because one of the things that was one of those deals where um browsing the comics they have a you know sort of like we've got it set up by event you know storylines like you go through sure, storylines yeah, yeah. And so they've got stuff like Superman for tomorrow and Dark Knight's Metal and then Invasion and Zero Hour. And I was kind of like, oh, it's kind of fun going through all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, right. The Dark Side War. I wanted to read it. It would have helped in a way if they'd had a reading guide because, of course, they've the. Oh, yeah, the because it's literally like you do like four chapters
1: of Justice League. Then you do all the one shots. Then you do like six chapters of Justice League or
0: something. Right. And then there's another one shot. And and that's there the is? thing. Yes. There's the one shot right before the big finale that finally shows you the origin of Grail and sets up the, like, it's got three different artists. So it's like Jessica Cruz and Cyborg who are currently trapped inside the power ring of Power Ring. Um, the Steve Trevor has been kidnapped by Grail and you finally get the whole story, uh, the origin of Grail and Marina Black. But because I ended up not knowing that, I ended up reading it like with all the other one shots and it was listed first. So I was like, wait, what's happening? When did these people get kidnapped? And then it was like, but so you click on the Dark Side War, the 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 storyline and, you know, it's like storyline. And it tells you the whole, you know, years after his forces were driven away, Dark Side returns to Earth, ready to destroy the planet Can the Justice League stop him? But they only have the Justice League issues listed. They don't have the one shots, which I happen, you know, of course, you get to the appropriate point in the issues like read all these one shots, which aren't listed there under their own listing in the comics. So anyway, it was was kind of an all I but again, this whole like I'm reading these on the fly and it's literally uh, I'm reading them because because I want to. You know.
1: Yeah, of- and honestly, because I can. Yeah, You know, I because can. it's really simple. Yeah. I don't really have to do that much legwork, which no. is one of the joys of this. And honestly, it was one of the joys of Marvel Unlimited at first. Yeah. And, and you know, for me, at least, Marvel Unlimited now feels much more like a resource for work than anything. Because mm-hmm. I feel like I've read everything that I want from Marvel Unlimited. That said, Machine Man popped up in its entirety this week of Marvel yes, Unlimited.
0: Yes, which I was going to point out, mention. And... I will say one of the things that I find that's hard for me about Marvel Unlimited is I'm getting to the points where the, like I'm the more, am- the amount of new material is not worth it. Well, No, no, I guess it's just more, it's more like I've already read the machine man stuff. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah. I really have had a lot of when they've started reprinting things again, it's that whole joke of like, right. Because it's because I bought the the digital omnibus like six months before. And in a way, there's something to that. You know, DC, the thing that is amazing and I, I, I really worry about is, is there's, they have so much material that if they continue to fill in their past, there's like tons and tons and tons of things that i haven't read and at first i was kind of like the rebirth the new 52 stuff but you know as i tweeted out when i looked at that last drop i'm like oh right like maybe i will want to reread the flintstones like you know i clearly was willing to like hate read the first four issues of doomsday clock you know oh yeah
1: like you know, one of the things that is good slash bad
0: about this is I was willing to
1: hate-read the first few issues of, like, New 52, Future's End and Countdown to Final
0: Crisis. Right, right. Because
1: it's there. Because
0: it's there. No, I totally get the idea of hate-reading Countdown, you know? Don't, Jeff. No, I know. I I cannot emphasize this enough. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally get it. But at the same time, I'm like, not only do they have, like, so much of the Batman 66 material which is really quite good they have they have the three volumes of uh Batmanga you know which as you know yeah. I love I don't think that I would revisit it here but it's kind of amazing that they have it it's amazing that they have all the DC Hanna Barbera crossovers part of me is like god help me I might sit down and read the 30 plus issues of Scooby Doo Apocalypse that I Pretty sure right. we have on here. Yeah, you yeah.
1: know, it's it's so weird. You're like, well, you know, I, I I'd never buy it, but and that goes. I mean, honestly, Jeff, this is what I've read on it. Mm-hmm. I have read Batman and the Outsiders. Mm-hmm. I have read Checkmate. Mm-hmm. Or At least I've started Checkmate. I've started Legion. Right. The, the like Legion eighty nine going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, I, it, things like that. The, you know, the the things that I literally dipped into on the odd issues when i found them in news agents in the uk when i was a kid right. like starman not the james robinson starman the roger stern tom lyle starman right right you yeah. know like things like that which again i would never buy unless you know it was literally less than a dollar an issue yes
0: but but it's there yeah it's it is it's it's here and so there's a lot of, at a certain point, part of me is like, uh, I, I'm sure I'll stop quote unquote reading crap, you know, like the the stuff like hate reading some of the stuff, but but by the, you know. But, but there, also, why shoot you? It's there. Well, honestly, because there is stuff where I'm like, there's, there is a lot of 90s Batman that I've always told myself that I was going to dig into and never got into, never did. You know what I mean? There's a lot of, there's just, I mean, there's just so, there's much, so much there. Here. There's so much yeah, there. Yeah, there really is because they, they launched so much of it, you know, um, it, it, it was strange being able to read again, just those dark, the dark side war one shots. It's like, Oh, they're just here. I just have to look them up. It's, it's, it's amazing that the 12 issues of, hard timer here that there's three three different eras of hawk and dove they actually i'll tell you the part that got me really excited about they have tony they have uh 18 issues of basically tony isabella's hawkman series you know af- yeah. after the shadow war of hawkman which i remember reading and liking you know yeah i like the shadow man of Hulk, uh, shadow war of hawkman a bunch yeah.
1: but like that you said they have all this like they have Kurt busick's red tornado series right right so they have, they have actually, and I've I've said I'm going to write about this countless times, and one of these days I will actually like com- continue to write about it. But they have all the New Gods material.
0: Yes. Well, and now, I'm glad you bring that up because I do want to talk about the Dark Side War about with you uh, if you get a ch- if we have a chance later. You know, because part of me is like you know you've been talking about New God stuff, and and here's Jeff Johns who does ten issues of. You know, ultra, ultra I, I, new god I have, stuff.
1: I have feelings, Jeff. I bet you do. Me, mm-hmm. I can't separate that from everything else they were doing with new gods at the time mm-hmm. because that was literally just one arm yes. of a bunch of new god stuff that was coming out at that time. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was a bunch, and almost all of it was really misguided or. Yes or not interested in any of Kirby's uh, actual
0: intentions uh, with the characters of the series. Well, and that's what I really kind of wanted to talk to you about because there, A, let's put it, A, there was a way in reading this stuff that that, that to me, Doomsday Clock made a lot more sense. Like, I was like, oh, uh, like... Oh, I get kind of I get why he's kind of why Johns is doing Doomsday Clock sort of the way that he is and in the way that he is. Uh, Basically, I guess we'll just cut to the chase and or this conversation. But I can't there was part of me that was not sure about with Dark Side War, how much of it is John's attempt to do his take on new gods or if he's kind of doing the DC the official New 52 reinvention. I'm going to split the
1: difference because what I think Johns is doing with Dark Side War is trying to course correct where everything else had been going with the New 52 version mm-hmm. of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Dark Side War comes out, it is either coinciding with or just after the publication of um, Earth 2 World's End. Mm -hmm. which was a 26-part weekly series. Right. um, Which followed the Earth 2 series, um, which followed Johnson's first Justice League arc, um, all of which had the basic plot of Darkseid is taking over the world. Yeah. Right? So Darkseid invades uh, Earth in the first six issues. Justice League is beaten back. Right. You then see that Darkseid had previously, five years before that, invaded Earth 2 mm-hmm. and, and had killed Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman in that world. Mm-hmm. And that's where Earth 2 takes off. But Earth 2 World's End and the Earth 2 series at the time basically were like, well, no, he left people behind. Mm-hmm. And, and he's going to turn that Earth into apocalypse. Right. Right? And so Earth 2 World's End has, in its main castes, uh, mr miracle and big barda mm-hmm. and you know steppenwolf's in there uh is in there you know there's, there's and, and the, the villains of of world's end and that storyline are apocalypse mm-hmm. dark side shows up in there and they basically say like apocalypse is also like either a person inside the planet or the planet itself is sentient and has like a, a personification there like there's lots of stuff that doesn't make sense like right. genuinely doesn't make sense it's yeah. never explained and you're like well i don't actually understand what's going on here right um at the same time as this is going on the green lantern books at the time were doing god's head right which is essentially what if the high father and new genesis was as fascistic in its own way as apocalypse mm-hmm. but they just think they're the good guys hmm Right, And that spins out of Orion's appearances in Wonder Woman, the the Azzarello and Cliff Chang Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. And so you have this, they're attempting to build this like, you know, rebuild the mythology of of the fourth world. And just doing it terribly. Mm Yes. Like like the idea of like, well, what if Highfather is a fascist as well? Right. What the fuck? You know? Like, literally what the fuck? And the plot of Godhead is... My father realizes that uh, he discovers the existence of the Green Lantern Rings and all the other lanterns, and is like, well, these are weapons of, of great power, what if I steal one and then use it against Darkseid? And he steals them all, and he's like, oh, it gives me the life equation, which is the opposite of the anti-life equation, and so therefore I will be able to beat Darkseid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Which is just nuts. Like, to anyone who's followed the Kirby version of the series, right. or the characters, or honestly any version that followed... This is this is a radical reinvention, yes, of my father and, and of what he stands for and who the character is, mm-hmm. right? Um, and to an extent, the dark side that is presented uh, in in these comics as well is a radical reinvention to the to his his uh, to lessen him. Oh yeah, right, right. He, mm-hmm. he becomes a much more. There's even an origin story. Yes, Greg uh, Pack. Right Side. Yeah. There's, there's, mm-hmm. there's, there's a, a, a Dark Side one show, which is like, you know, Dark Side and High Father were once brothers. Mm-hmm. But then the gods fell, and Dark Side stole power from the gods, and the gods were upset, so they gave High Father power as well. And that's what they're on the lookout for is loop de doo. And, you know, it's, it's just so much more generic mm-hmm. than everything that Kirby came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so much
0: like really lessens the characters you know right, oh, right. Mm-hmm. I, I know you were still building towards your theory but yes yes keep keep going because it does well, actually well, remind well, me what of i was
1: something. gonna say like the character dynamics all shift within these reinventions as well mm-hmm. uh in world's end barda betrays scott like mm-hmm. outright betrays him and like re like swears uh, fealty to apocalypse again mm-hmm. um and Scott is is much more of a... Uh, um, he's more like Metreon, really. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that, again, lessens things. And so when you see them appear in Justice League, they are neither Kirby's versions of the characters, nor are they the New 52 versions. Mm, okay. you, know, you get a feeling that, like, Johns is trying to do his take on a new 52 version which is you get the feeling that he's like read reread the kirby comics is like okay if i was inventing these characters today what are their you know what are their their things because you get when when mr miracle appears and uh dark sidebar for the first time you get a kind of like you know a Johnsian like uh internal monologue mm-hmm. it's like i escape that's what i do yes god free because i escape yeah and you're like okay he's trying to like he's trying to go lay out the this is who this character is yeah of it yeah very much you so mm-hmm. um but it's not the it's not the the mr miracle that you have seen to that point and honestly like there's a there's a massive break in terms of continuing if if there is this this is the mr miracle of, of our two worlds ends and like how does he get there hmm you know, like, what is going on? It, it reads very much as if, like, he just wasn't reading World's End, and no one thought to tell him it had happened. Right, right. right?
0: Which yeah. is, it, you know, does not strike me as impossible, to mm-hmm. be fair. I, well, and, and I I wonder, especially, especially based on this week's issue of Heroes in Crisis, how much... There is this the uh, cold war between Johns and Dan Didio. And else. <laughs> well, and maybe everyone else, but certainly Didio kind of has a lot of editorial control on his side. And I mean, I don't think that that's I, there's ways in which I feel like that is definitely me talking through my butt because uh, it, the Dark Side War very clearly follows up on the events of Forever Evil which (laughs) is to me uh, but again it's another john is a john's event event, but i swear to god is also a didio idea and a didio fetish you know what i mean the
1: idea of like the villains are center or like spotlit Mm -hmm. has happened so many times in the last like 15 years of dc it's ridiculous yeah yeah like it's genuinely ridiculous yeah yeah it seemed to be like you know every ten years we'll have you know the series of one shots that spotlight the villains and then that lead into a story where the villains win.
0: Yes, exactly. You know, like the that's, villains that's win. A, yeah, that's, that's a new tradition. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and you know, we say this as we're heading into year of villain at DC yes, right now. Exactly, where I'm you know? like,
0: Oof, really, guys. What's,
1: what's yeah. really interesting is I know a bunch about what's happening there mm-hmm. because I to Scott Snyder and I've talked to other people mm-hmm. and they've basically been like okay this is where we're going with this
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I see how it is simultaneously another iteration of ideas that we've seen before and also that's to a degree of faint mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you know what I mean it's almost like it's like you know you think you know where we're going but we are going to zag right. like you think we're going to we are going to zag um, no but you're right like it, it for Forever evil forever evil feels simultaneously very quote unquote Dandoio and also very quote unquote Jeff Johns, right? You and, know, right? And, and Dark Side War very much is is a Forever Evil sequel.
0: It's a it's a Forever Evil sequel. It definitely feels like both Johns and Dandoio do like agreeing, like okay, we've got to reinvent Kirby's New Gods. The weird vibe that I got off of it, and also in your Earth Two description, is it's very much like. Someone or everyone were big fans of the Battlestar Galactica TV show and were like, we want to do to Jack Kirby's new gods what Ronald D. Moore did to Battlestar Galactica. Oh, God. What a horrible thought. I I, I totally see where you're going with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, what a horrible thought. Well, but don't you think like it's kind of that whole like, oh, Highfather is sort of the same way that like Commander Adama. Highfather Highfather is Adama. Yes. Yeah. I you know? totally
1: see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, what's really odd is that um, from what I have seen, mm-hmm. like, because the idea of a cold war between the and Johns has, is, is, is not a new idea. Mm-hmm. You know, like Rich Johnson has basically been trying to sell that line for years now. Right. What I have seen of the two of them interacting, I don't quite buy it. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, And also, from talking to DiDio a bunch, while I have literally zeroed out that he is behind the consistent attempts to redo New Gods, Mm -hmm. because that man is a Kirby fan. Like, you have no idea. Yeah. You think we're Kirby fans? Mm -hmm. Nothing to do with Mm him. I also think that if he had his druthers, Mm -hmm. the Kirby characters would come back, like, pretty much directly as Kirby did them.
0: Right, I mean, Lord knows one of the things that was interesting was seeing Commandy come back, the Commandy challenge and having everyone be like, This is a simultaneous shout out to d c challenge the crazy crazily <clears throat> enough, but it's also very much people are doing a commandy book, this is yeah. commandy, you know yeah, and uh but I, you know I it well so for example the other thing I was thinking of is people the great thing about talking about the dark side war it is so goddamn old that you know and it leads it the ending of issue 50 leads right into rebirth yes um, exactly is so it's pretty I don't feel shamed yeah, spoiling li- it at all yeah yeah
1: this comic is 4 years
0: old yeah but but grail which is such a central character in the dark side war um i am convinced was jeff johns's original idea for was it pandora or whomever um oh sure yeah pandora who then gets
1: killed off no because oh maybe because i mean john's got to do the pandora story he wanted and it it unfolded forever evil did he
0: oh okay well maybe i'm oh, right, yeah because
1: yeah pandora pandora is is essentially a justice league character until
0: she gets spun out into her own book Well, see and that's but i thought that her her origin was quote-unquote mysterious until her own book
1: that the no, DiDio it's, it's, is it's, like um, writing
0: and rewriting or- over people no, her
1: origin is mysterious until fuck what's it called trinity war Right until the which Trinity is, War event, right? Which is no, but that's a Justice League storyline. That's in John's Justice League. Oh, book. is it? Uh, yeah. Oh, right. It is. That's so. funny. Because that's leading to Forever Evil. Mm. Like the, 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 the Pandora's like gets her own series after that. Right. Right, as Forever Evil launches. Okay. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, um, maybe I'm wrong. But what's what's also funny is like so,
0: John spends. I mean, Side Wars like eleven issues, right? Well, it's, yeah, it's 11 issues plus the one-shots, of which Johns doesn't write all of them. But No, but you he know, writes a few. couple, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, he does, yeah. yep. Um, but you
1: get, you know, Grail, mm-hmm. and, you know, Darkseid's a, a baby by the end of it. Yes. And, you know, all the shit. And then Johns writes Rebirth. Mm-hmm. Which Pretty much, especially for Wonder Woman, goes on to explicitly ignore everything that Johns has done yes. uh, to Wonder Woman. Yep. You know, uh, like, immediately, immediately, the next month, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where you don't see any of that shit again until is off the book. Mm-hmm. And then James Robinson comes on with a storyline that, to all intents and purposes, exists to get rid
0: of Grail. mm Exists, what, like, explain that shit away. But also picks up on the thread of, because the end of the Dark Side War is Diana discovers not only does she have Grail, her sister, but she was one of twins and she has a brother. And yes, which
1: is, one? which I, I like that's what Robinson's story is
0: about. Right,
1: right. Which, um, which, you know, is just... Uh, it's, but it's, it's crazy, you know, John's clearly is like, I'm doing this whole thing to set up like a new era for Wonder Woman. And then yeah. the new era arrives and it has nothing to yep. do with that. Yep. Like, Ruckus' first issue, the rebirth one shot, yep. is pretty much explicitly him being like, uh, say, having Diana been saying, you know, I've been lied to about my origins so many times. Yes. Yeah. Like, it's really just been like, yeah, fuck all that shit. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I have no interest in any of that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so funny. And you get, you know, the 50 The Last Issue Again sets up like, you know, there are three Jokers. Yes. We are now three years later. Yeah. And it, don't get me wrong, I know uh, Jeff's working on it. I know he's doing the series with Jason Fayebook, mm-hmm. But, you know no one in the Batman books is touching that well not at all and they've yeah. used Joker since a bunch of, a bunch of times like yep. Joker is a character who is recurring in Justice League right now mm. and there's absolutely no like oh and there are another two Jokers running around
0: well and it gets I guess that's sort of what I feel like is there was this weird point it was like did Rebirth Then he's like Doomsday Clock and some of his Three Joker stuff. Some of the stuff that he's really trying to seed a lot of ideas in in the Dark Side War. Like you definitely feel his like this is building to the next thing is building to the next thing uh, kind of modern comic event idea that's going on. But he keeps taking because, of course, Dark Side's the Dark Side is a baby is the, the child of power girl and you know the the whole crime syndicates involved and there's a completely an issue 50 there's an insane sequence where she's holding up the baby that's oh because it's alexander luther's baby is able to steal or absorb the powers of of anyone And but that doesn't explain why she's like yelling shazam backwards to activate the child and and absorbed oh the no but, that,
1: but here's the crazy thing like there is an explanation about that in forever war like that's the weird thing wow yeah no there is like it's one of those things where if you have honestly just been paying a lot of attention mm-hmm. it makes sense but if you have for example you're picking the storyline up after you know four years or five years after reading forever War, you'll be fucking lost yeah. but no it is actually an explanation for that in an entirely different storyline from like two years earlier. Good
0: Christ. It was crazy. I was like... No, I, know, he, I know. And there was also the lead up as to who the father is. And I'm like, okay, well, the father's probably Darkseid again and he's going to give birth to himself, which struck me as kind of obvious, but kind of weirdly mythological that made sense. But then she's yeah, it's, like... it's it's, all, it's obvious, but at the same time, it makes sense. Right. But then there's, But then she's yelling Shazam backwards and I'm like... Did she? Did did the wizard Shazam fucker? Like you know, and then it's Alexander Luther, and I'm like, okay, this comic is just. I gotta sit down because <laughs> it's just crazy. And and the thing that I think is funny is is the Dark Side War is is John's, um, in a way where I'm like, where it's it's almost all hooks, you know, and it's oh, in many in many ways, like it's it's prime Johns. It is, except uh, it except it's I, it's quote unquote prime modern Johns like everything he's sort of with the way with Doomsday Clock like I'm kind of like there's so much that's like re, sort of re it, his retake or his thinking of of the mythos but it's also aware of a certain degree of fan service and there's also just that kind of constant 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 acceleration you know which is fine in many ways i feel like john's here like i actually feel like the johns of of dark side war is is classic brian bendis you know like this is this is john's doing events very much in the brian bendis style in the idea of like each event more or less builds to its crescendo and that crescendo introduces the next event that's going to be coming along or whatever. But John's I feel does it so much better than that. But there's also stuff where after reading 10 issues of it, like there's just not any sense of like Lex Luthor seemed like the, the most fleshed out character in the book. You know, mm-hmm. which is unsurprising mm-hmm. in a way, but but it's like that's the one who A Johns has the best idea of, but also Luther has to function as a character in the way that everyone else sort of functions in as a power set, especially when you start getting, you know, there's the idea that all of the gods, all of the Justice League, through one way or another, end up becoming new gods, which. Is the and, and is fun and clever, you know, like Shazam becomes the god of gods and Superman's the god of strength and Batman becomes the god of knowledge. The way in which each of them become the god that they are is fun, but there's also so little there there, even in the course of the story. Like, honestly, they keep playing with like Barry becoming the god of death and and john's it seems literally doesn't know what to do with that in any way apart from give us two separate scenes of the black racer racing the flash and the flash more or less hanging out being like and then i will kill someone and it's and it's literally kind of a weird like the character is Nothing like there's no, there's no that like the most resonant part in there is literally the part where he's ch- the black racer is chasing flash and you get that one little, um, word balloon that someone's saying Barry and he's like, what? And of course, you know, thanks to rebirth that, that that's Wally West, you know, but, um, that part was great. But I mean, there's literally this idea of like you could do something with with Barry Allen who in Jeff Johns' reinvention of the character as someone who is haunted by his mother's death or his father's death or his parents death i don't i don't remember it's it's his, it's,
1: his, his mother's, mother's said, death right his mother's said this
0: his father is responsible right or or is has been framed yeah has been framed so there's this whole big magilla in which barry allen could re- that this version of barry allen merging with the god of death could be a thing like it could be it could be just just a little bit of it anyway all of which is to say the dark side war is filled with moments and events and and more characters that you can shake a stick at but i found it a strangely kind of hollow and brittle experience and i don't know if that's i don't know why that is sort of the way that it is if that's john's if it's or it's something about the new 52 characters too in the same way but it was it was it was it was it was a it was a really weird event to read let's put it that way and there were yeah, moments it's, it's, where yeah i was like oh this is cool that's a great idea or that's a fun hook and then at the same time like within four pages later i'm like why the hell am i reading this you know so anyway sorry i didn't mean to cut you off cuz you clearly well, had a point
1: What's funny is, you know, we're also getting to the point of these are things you read when you have something like DC Universe. Right. You know, because if you had had to pay money for these issues, you wouldn't have done it. But also, if it had been harder for you to read these issues, you probably would have dropped off.
0: Well, sure, sure. No, absolutely. But I also – but I remember us talking about this title when it came out, like the first couple of parts of – the dark side war. I remember you very much describing the first issue of it and being kind of like sort of like I don't know how I feel about it. Like it's kind of cool, but it might be kind I, of I, terrible,
1: you know. No, and honestly, I think I'm still on there. Yeah. I think I'm still very much the yeah, just this, this this could be cool or it could be terrible. I ultimately think I'm fall down more on the it's kind of terrible, mostly because it is so incongruous with with the Kirby version of the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I was something that's this so you know I've read a chunk of like post Kirby New Gods mm-hmm. like in the last few months, mm-hmm. and something that's really interesting to me is in the last, let's call it two years, right? We have seen far more new takes on fourth world mm-hmm. that is more in tune with what kirby intended mm-hmm. um you know not just the the king garas series mm-hmm. uh mr miracle but the cecil kasaluchi edra Malo uh female furious which I, i'm fucking loving right now mm-hmm. um but also like the, the one shots for kirby's 100th birthday mm-hmm. you know and it, they're not necessarily good comics in fact the new gods comic is Really bad from that from that uh, series of one shots, but they are more in like they're they're not trying to reinvent, right? The characters, right?
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. No. No. I think actually one of the things that's kind of rough with uh, looking at some of the stuff that I've looked at at DC Universe is kind of the that feeling like with Wonder Woman, it's like everybody's trying to reinvent her. Like every time someone steps in and does a take on it, it's like they kind of ignore everyone else's yeah, take. And
1: this is the new, like this is yeah. the real Wonder Woman.
0: Yes, exactly. And so much so that I realized that was, I don't know. It's just kind of, I, I don't know how they're going to get that, stop that feeling. But like, I remember that, I think that was part of the reason why, uh, after reading both uh G. Willow Wilson's first issue of Wonder Woman and Kelly Seuss first issue of Aquaman, I was like, Yeah, I don't I don't need another like new take. I actually think that G. Willow Wilson's was more like this is Wonder Woman in line with Yeah,
1: I was gonna say, I don't th- I don't think Willow's trying to reinvent the character no, at all. I
0: don't think so. I think she's continuing her run and it's fine. I just ended up thinking that, you know, again, she didn't launch with her strongest foot, and it was kind of like, I guess I'll have to come back to this someday.
1: Um, but, but you no, know, I, I think you're right. I think uh, Kelly Sue Zuckerman is 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 a uh, uh, mm-hmm. reversioning, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's, especially that first storyline, I think is sort of sidestepping everything else. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got amnesia. I'm going to build up a whole new mythology before you can remember who you are. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. there's, yep. it's very much a, like, let's just ignore all of this. You know, and, and I don't know if you've kept reading that book, but like in the, in the most recent issue, like he gets the Momoa tattoos. Mm. You know? Right. Because now, for, for like, you know, mystical reasons. Yeah. He's one with C, so he has the tattoos, but it's, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I see what you're doing. Right. (laughs) You know, like, okay. And it's, it's smart, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's delivering more what I think people who don't read comics, but like the movie and there were more of them, you know, want to see an Aquaman comic. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, but, yeah, it's weird. I, actually, you bring up Wonder Woman uh, reminded me. Have you been reading the
0: old Wonder Woman stuff in DC Universe? Uh, I have not started digging into it, no. Because
1: uh, I know that I know that, that was a, a a back issue haunt for you for a while. Yes. Trying to find cheap Wonder Woman issues for your nieces.
0: Yes. Um, and, yeah, I haven't dug into it because, weirdly, I felt like from what I looked at, there's tons of the golden age stuff and then there's a lot of the more modern stuff but i didn't see a lot of 60s 70s well that's not true there's the Sikowski stuff which has been reprinted
1: um, yes and there's also the the issues immediately following which are
0: fucking great uh, well, oh the trial of wonder woman stuff. the trial of wonder woman stuff yeah, yeah. i've been meaning to reread those but um yeah no it, i mean it's good stuff jeff Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> says really, one who like, knows
1: no, oh yeah, I no, because I reread yeah. it on Hoopla before DC Universe added everything. Ah, because they they put, apparently put a trade out of that like years ago.
0: Yes, and it's right. on
1: Hoopla. Yeah, um, but it's it's like that really is good stuff because uh, the weirdest thing is, it's pretty much like the writers and artists you think of as Superman writers and artists. Mm-hmm. It's like Carrie Bates and Elliot mm-hmm. S. Magan and Kurt Swan and Kurt uh, mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, like. I don't think of any of them as quote-unquote a Wonder Woman creator at all. Mm-hmm. But, but there they are doing Wonder Woman for like a year. Yeah. And really Wonder Woman team-up, because every issue by nature of the story is Wonder Woman and a different
0: Justice League member. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So
1: it's it's this, it's this very fun... Um, yeah, I really, really enjoy those issues actually.
0: Oh, good. Oh, actually you know what? There, it looks like there's more of the sort of...
1: Mm, how do I like put it? They've got they've got a bunch of like the Roy Thomas stuff with Gene Colan, Right, which is the yeah. stuff.
0: But yeah. But honestly, I, I hate to say it because I know that he was such a son of a bitch, but they have a surprising amount of the Robert Kaniger stuff that um, was drawn by like uh, Ross Andrew and Mike Esposito that is very strongly pulling from the um, – What's his name? (sighs) Shit, the Silver Age Superman stuff. You know, it's very much like, oh, here's the adventures of Wonder Girl. Yes, Wonder Woman has a baby. Yeah, Wonder Tot, and yeah, exactly stuff like that. And oh no, like you know, like Steve Trevor is marrying someone else, and it's a seahorse, and you know, stuff like that, That that again is stuff that I think I could hand to my nieces and. You know the thing that sucks is the internalized misogyny is terrible but but in terms of them being really interested, and oh my god they they do have the fury of egg foo, oh man, I'm so uh, well, glad you told I, me now, that there's Now we know
1: what you're gonna be reading <laughs> way
0: more there's way more of the Wonder Woman stuff than I was expecting, and there's the Sikowski stuff, okay, all right, I'm really glad you mentioned this. Wow, this is more than I was thinking, um, yeah, yeah, it's. DC Universe, man, I got to tell you, I've really enjoyed just picking it up and like and just going, just digging through it. It feels, for me, currently easier to browse through than Marvel Universe, but it's well, also and, and, much and it new. also
1: feels very new. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember, I, I maybe you remember too, but like, do you remember signing up for Marvel Unlimited for the first time and having that moment of like, shit, there's so much here. Yeah. Oh, completely completely you know and it's and that's what you get now you're like i like i can read you know the things you've not even thought about mm-hmm. like i i would thought about checkmate before this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do you know what i mean or, or like i never thought never thought i'd have access
0: to like the entire room of starman right Right. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a lot of stuff I want to dig in there. Honestly, there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to dig in, in Marvel Universe. And like I said, I really find myself, the more I read DC Universe, the more I find myself looking at Marvel Unlimited being like, wow, I really have barely tapped the surface of that app in a way for a variety of reasons. Um, Maybe because when we signed up for it, like you said, there was so much stuff that was there. But so much of that was stuff from uh, periods I cared less about, and it's only been in the four or five plus years that we've had Marvel Unlimited that they've continued to really bolster up their their '70s stuff, you know. Which I'm yeah, it's
1: it's funny because you know Marvel Unlimited's been around for like twelve years, yeah, Yeah. which is which is nuts. Mm -hmm. Like it, it I honestly thought it was much more recent than that. Mm -hmm. Um but it 's true there there has been a very particular i, I think um, really only in the last four or five years yeah that it that it's gone beyond updating the, the more immediate
0: stuff, yeah, the more immediate stuff or f- once they filled in all the runs on their classic characters, then they sort of kept adding more stuff. So like, you know, master Kung Fu and the kill Raven stuff and Don McGregor's black Panther, all stuff that I'm so happy, uh, that it's have all basically hit the service in like, I don't know what the last two or three years. So DC, DCU does have the advantage of all this stuff is dropped at once. Um, and so it's very the newness of going in and jumping and 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 going through so much of it is is very exciting. Um we'll, I'll be curious to see where I'm at with it in, in 6 months, you know. So Yeah. Uh Yeah, it's
1: it's it's just it's a very um it is very exciting and the novelty is great. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But part of me is also like, when, I, I don't know, not when am I going to get bored of it. No, I, but, I get it. But but a sense of like, you know, I, because they've added 20,000 plus, yeah. it, essentially in a month, mm-hmm. you know, one of the the things I've noticed about Marvel Unlimited is they're adding less now, it feels you know like it's it's more like you know here's what came out six months ago in print yes maybe yeah like Mm -hmm. or or that's not true they add a bunch of stuff that like i have literally zero interest in like they add a lot of 90 stuff these days and i i have i have no interest in it um and the more they fail to add material that i have have interest in the more the less interest i have in the app right and part of me is like, you know, when I'm, when is the novelty going to fade away for DC Universe? Because mm-hmm. they basically added everything. Right. And it's not everything. Like, there's still the weird gaps. Right. You know, like, I uh, I get, I genuinely get the idea that, like, they have pulled the digital editions of all of Gerard Jones' uh, Green Lantern stuff from Comicsology because mm-hmm. they just don't want to pay him royalties. I get that. Like, he's mm-hmm. pled guilty to, to child pornography charges. Right. Right. They don't want to be seen to be supporting him. Yeah. But I'm surprised that that stuff is not available at all in DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, is the royalty he would get from that really enough? Right. Because the lack of that, the lack of Gerard Jones on on DC Universe means that you're missing, like, literally, like, the first half of the 90s, or so it feels like, mm-hmm. um, for Green Lantern. But also, you're missing Justice like League Europe. Mm-hmm. Including, like, the last, you know, the 15-part crossover. Half of the 15-part crossover that wow. finishes off Giffin is Justice League America is not available. Mm-hmm. Because it's not there. Right. You know? Um, and, and like, his just his Green Lantern ties in with, like, Dark Stars and Legion. There's crossover issues. And you get the Legion and Dark Star crossover issues. And you don't get the Green Lantern crossover issues. hmm mm-hmm. You know? Stuff like that just feels
0: weird. Yep.
1: Yeah, For me, yeah.
0: with Marvel Unlimited, it's like, God, you guys, like, they were so furiously reprinting the Inglehart West Coast Avengers, and then they just stopped. Like, I think mm-hmm. they've got, like, maybe one more trade's worth that I don't think ever came out. And I'm just like, oh, my God, why aren't you releasing it? And now they're releasing other West Coast Avengers stuff, like... From around issue one hundred or whatever, I'm like, no, no, you've got to go exactly. back yeah, here. Yeah, you know, go back and just do the last
1: fucking storyline. Exactly. Or you the... know, although like I can totally see if they never do because mm-hmm. because of the way that Engelhart left. Mm-hmm. A, he didn't really get to write the story he wanted, and B, there's literally like when Byrne picks up in that book, he's just he outright ignores the end of Engelhart. Sean.
0: Oh yeah, no, and and it is very much like that That is where they've got. They've got Burns Run, of course, and they kind of pick up from there. But part of me is like, for God's sakes, like, just close this off. Like, it's pretty close to the end. And, of course, Enkelhart stuff feels like it's all building and building and building. It's like, I want to get to the end of this, guys. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny it's because... Not, it's not there, Jeff. It's right. not. Like, like the, the last
1: storyline of Ankleheart was... West... You read it when it came out, right? You know what the last storyline is? No, I don't. I don't. The last storyline is Hank Pym discovers that his first wife never died.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember that. Right. I um, started reading that, but I don't and think so it's him splitting up with Jan,
1: but also him deciding to live in Russia to help her back to health. Mm. Right? And then mm. you get, like, two or three fill-in issues after Engelhart leaves, and then Byrne comes on, and literally Hank and Jan are living together in California again, yeah. and never referenced. Yeah. yeah. It's never referenced. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's a drag. I have to say I, I, I I'm a big fan of yes and continuity, you know? And and the whole the whole turn toward, no, that's not really my take on it. I'm just gonna ignore these issues or nah, I didn't read the issue that came before it. I'm just like I don't I don't know. I mean it's funny because of course there's so few things that I'm actually following on a regular basis, but the feeling, as I think we've talked about, where it's like it just seems like the X-Men franchise just keeps being stuck in the rut of people being like, oh, no, 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 no. But here's my take, you know? Well, yeah, and, and it's it's happening
1: again. Mm-hmm. You know, like we are literally – well, Uncanny X-Men came out in November. Mm-hmm. And we're literally about to get to what's it called? House of X and Powers of Ten, mm-hmm. You know, where it's, again, it's just like, oh, remember that last big crossover which happened – you know, eight months ago? Mm-hmm. Nope. This right. is the new, new
0: X-Men. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The new, 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 new X-Men. Oh, God. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, um, one thing that I should mention is, because uh, this isn't necessarily a thing that, that will matter to you at all, Graham, uh, but as someone who likes manga and also uh, is uh, subscribed to Comixology Unlimited, uh, Kodansha dropped something like four hundred volumes. Oh yeah, I, I saw, I saw that. And that, and I think that to me, part of me is like, oh my god! Like looking through it, Kodansha is interesting because they are sort of where Marvel was at a few years ago. In, I mean, in the sense that Kodansha is always putting their volumes on sale. I have bought so many. Volumes of their stuff that I'm like, I'll get around to reading this soon. I'm sure I'll get around to reading it soon. I haven't even started it yet, but but so part of me is like flipping through this thing, being like, oh yeah, there's the volumes that I bought on sale three months ago. There's the volumes I bought on sale six months ago. But there's also part of me that's like, this is actually pretty great that there's 400 volumes of this stuff that you can actually sit down and... Because cause the thing that has been hard for me as a digital reader is um, finding different... Unless you're going to read the Shonen Jump stuff, finding different manga to read digitally uh, legitimately, not in a scanlation sort of way, mm-hmm. is, is kind of challenging. And, you know, as you know, it's not well represented on Hoopla. So having that but, much access but, to it yeah mm-hmm
1: Kodansha has some sort of deal with comicology though right they, they've got they've yes. got a deal with Amazon yeah yeah well exactly they they've always they, been. like they had the like the first 23 issues of initial D just all appeared at once literally or no it's more it's 35
0: issues yeah, right 35, 35 volumes. volumes literally the day before they turned around to drop the other 400 volumes of assorted titles and as you know they um uh, did Beck and they've done Battle Angel Alita at, at the full runs of those available as Comixology Unlimited things so I it makes sense to me because I think that Kodansha is like we're doing the digital thing we're trying to figure out what kind of marketplace we have or can build and you know Comixology Unlimited promises like oh we're going to give you a lot of exposure and this is a great way to introduce yourselves to new readers but i also think that it's also just kind of some degree of easy money for them you know to yeah. do these yeah. these deals it's like
1: well I, I i know from talking to to um people on the the comics site mm-hmm. like they are thrilled with the ganancia stuff like they were so proud of the initial d stuff yeah of yeah. the initial news there they were like we're finishing the series right. which has never been finished in english before yeah. and also like this is a really fucking big deal
0: yeah 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 and i get it cuz the when they were saying like beck never got completed in english so i was super excited and one thing that it looks like they did with initial deal though i'm not sure is they dropped it all kind of at once whereas beck of course i tore through things and it was like, oh, wait a minute! Volume eighteen's a cliffhanger, and then I look and I'm like, they've got another fourteen volumes. And then their publication schedule was like, yes, and we're dropping it over the next nine months. And I'm like, that does me no good oh, now, you asshole. But
1: assholes. that's that's what that's what they're doing with uh, Initial D. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, they're doing like up to thirty five, and I think it's forty eight volumes or something like that. Oh. they basically like, there's a number of remaining volumes that are getting like serialized over the, over the next.
0: Of course, are well. Hopefully, they get better at releasing those because I think I felt like Beck was a little too choppy. No pun intended. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's. Uh, but I thought that that was huge news, and I'm glad co- I'm glad the Comicsology people are are in, making a big deal out of it, and I hope people draw it. But I'm I kind of have that weird thing of I think that I currently <laughs> I currently I think have subscriptions. To just about every and you know, every digital comic reading service now. It's like <laughs> seriously, it's like DC Unlimited, I'm sorry, DC Universe, Marvel Unlimited, Comixology I'm just saying this all wrong. Comixology Unlimited, and then uh Shonen Jump Digital. And and part of me is I really have this thing of like i've got too much to read and kind of uh i never need to buy new comics ever again but of course every wednesday i am so i mean it's kind of it's it's
1: such a weird thing right i was mm-hmm. thinking this the other day i um i went to the library and i got a lot of prose books at the library mm. uh, and i did so because it's a bunch of stuff that i've been re- meaning to read for a while or if i on my list for a while and they all came in and i was like oh look at me i'm bringing home a lot of books um, and I really had this moment of like, I don't have time to read everything I want to read. Yeah. And I, I like I, this it's this is ridiculous. It's it's such a strange thing to deal with mm-hmm. that you're just you are overwhelmed by content now. Yeah. It's it's really really amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like I have this week for the non-work material. I've been reading stuff from DC Universe. I've been reading – in terms of comics, I've been reading stuff for DC Universe. And I've been reading um, like Robohunter.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But it's nuts to me that those two things plus the prose I'm reading mm-hmm. plus the stuff I'm doing for work. Like that's a lot of reading, Jeff. Yeah. Like, just that alone Mm -hmm. is a lot of reading. Like, I am reading more than I normally read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's still a tiny, tiny little amount of what I want to read. Like, I'm still so far behind on the things I want to read. And I want to
0: read them. Right. Right. It's the weirdest thing. Right. No, I'm I'm kind of at the stage of I have been as I – tearfully confessed an episode or two ago, I've been completely shirking prose. I'm just barely keeping afloat with the amount of comic material that's out here. One of the books that I did want to talk about, or at least mention is I picked up, uh, smashed, which is the latest Junji Ito story collection from Viz. picked that up mm. digitally paid for it. And Holy fucking shit. Like it's Junji Ito's horror stories. They're great, especially, like, I was kind of like, ah, yeah, 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 Forbidden Love, Dark Mansions. Like, once they got away from the gothic romances and it was just, like, eight-page stories, I was like... Yeah, these, like, kind of that thing of, like, man, are these ever scary? And, of course, Junji Ito, it's, like, 400 pages of stories where, like, some of them I just got so creeped out I had to put it down and walk away, you know? And, which was wonderful. But I I really do just have that thing of that that sort of helps me keep skin in the game. Or I don't suppose you saw slash read Peter Cannon Thunderbolt issue four? Actually, I did. I hope that you Cause, had because cause of course I did yes it's the Eddie Campbell issue right isn't that clever I once I saw I saw a preview page of that I'm like okay I've got to read this I've got to have read you this. have
1: you been reading the series
0: <clears throat> to this point I read the first issue and was kind of like oh that's clever cute I'm not necessarily sure that I'm gonna go with the you know. Then I I didn't pick up anything else. And when I saw the the Eddie Campbell stuff in issue four, I was like, oh, holy shit. So I I picked up issues two and three, reread one and got to four and thought that it was very just so charming and smart. And, you know, I I mean, I have so much affection for the source material that Gillen is very cleverly uh, riffing off of. But um, part of me is like, huh? I won- I wonder where else we're gonna go beyond this. In that
1: sense, right? Yeah. It, it's it's it, like it's such a. Uh, we we should explain. Peter Cannon Thunderbolts, as I'm sure everyone here knows, is the inspiration for Osamandius and Watchman, yeah. and the Gillen series, which is drawn by oh god, what's the artist's name? Casper Weingart. Am I
0: making that yes. up? Yes. No. No. That's right.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. It, shall we say, it does not shy away from that fact mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, embraces it wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. The first issue is essentially, what if Ozymandias realized that Ozymandias had carried out the, the attack at the end of Watchmen 12?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then it just spirals into meta-text, like, on top of meta-text. There's an yeah. issue 2 or issue 3 where, like, there is actually the not only in order to travel between realities, the characters have to lie down in a nine-panel grid. Yes. But once they do that, they the Watchmen-type set appears. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, is, which is, you know, another... It's it's very fun, but also, like, shockingly meditational. Um, they then go and meet a version of Ozymandias. Like a, a Peter Cannon version of Ozymandias, uh, who who kills everyone, mm-hmm. and and Peter Cannon escapes and ends up in Eddie Campbell's Alec, yeah, where he meets Alec, except Alec is Peter Cannon, and mm-hmm. um, but Eddie Campbell's there. He meets mm-hmm. Eddie the cartoonist, yes, who is Eddie Campbell, which I love, but it's done in the style of Eddie Campbell's Alec, yeah, to the point where. Peter, when Peter Cannon first appears, it's a version of the first panel of Alec.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that is, that was, of course, the part that sold me. But the first the first three issues play super super heavily, uh, bouncing off the the Watchmen references, oh, yeah. it, the intertextuality of Watchmen, with some comic book meta text, and so having it bounce outside the realm of that, it was uh super clever very smart and, and and in a in a chewy metatextual way
1: yeah and and in a way that just didn't, was not suggested by the previous two issues yeah. which is what made it so fun yep exactly. you know even though again eddie campbell shows up in this issue but so does alan moore yes
0: yes like absolutely. alan moore shows
1: up in, in the in the latest issue as well mm-hmm. again not as alan moore mm-hmm. but it's unmistakably alan moore mm-hmm. you know and it does make me go are they working their way through like Alan Moore's collaborators? Are they working their way right. through the influences of Watchmen? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like is is the next step? We're going to go into a decal comic, right? You because know, again, nine panel grids. Yep,
0: yep, yeah. I'll right. be curious. I'll be really curious to see where where and how that goes. I get the sense from the Eddie Campbell one. I mean, oh no, I mean, Gillen really did take that extra step that I I have super appreciation for. So I think by the next issue, we'll have a sense of... Because I did have that like, right, is he doing the collaborators or is he because of the, you know, um, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt is facing off against the, you know, the Ozymandias-style Thunderbolt, who is more or less um, conquered... All the other universes uh, of the multiverse um, in in sort of same or similar ways. And the f- fun part about issue four, apart from the Eddie Campbell textuality uh, pastiche, is that Gillen is saying what you know what we say all the time, but we really um, uh, say too much in passing. Which is, comics are more than just superheroes. And so, so I, I'll be curious to see if, if, if Pete Cannon moves through different kinds of comic books, whether that means different kinds of indie comics, or if it's just different types of comics altogether,
1: you know? Right. Like, are we, are we going to get a two thousand eighty issue? It's, it's... Right. The, the Eddie, the surprise of the Eddie campbell Yes. ...makes the series more exciting
0: by just, I mean amazingly broadening the scope oh yeah completely completely and and that was the point where i jumped from oh you know like uh, like this is cute but yes exactly thank you i think that sums it up perfectly so so i'm really glad i figured of course that you must have seen it but when i read it i of course as an eddie campbell fan of the alec days i was like oh this is really clever and it was for the most part very 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 well done so I really did dig it. So, um, uh, and I, I don't know. I'm kind of like, yeah, what else can I blab about? Cause part of me is like, there was something else. I mean, the thing that is a bummer is I read all this feedback about heroes in crisis number eight, and I thought that it was the last issue and yeah, nope, nope. So I kind of feel like it's too premature to talk about it, but, oh boy, that's, uh, Boy, we'll see how that comes how that comes out.
1: That is that is again like to me a shockingly metatextual comic.
0: How so? Uh both
1: I want to say maybe it's the last issue, it's definitely this issue. Feels like it is a commentary on the structure of rebirth and the fan reaction to rebirth.
0: Okay. Can you talk about that more? Because that's the part that I really want to talk about in the sense of again in that sort of weird cold war way part of me is like why the hell because there's a lot of people who really feel betrayed by heroes in crisis number eight there's a lot of people like people are really fucking upset really upset and it's very much like dc you got my fucking hopes up with rebirth and this is literally you showing me you know kind of i feel like you're you know, I, I was just trolled. Like you were just, you were lying to me and pranking me. And it's, it's part of me is like, oh, we're really not going to know for another issue really, because, you know, there, there may be the, the classic like reverso, but part of me is like, people are, are pissed. Do you, and so you think that there is that larger meta, a larger but, metatextual it, it, sure, critique, surely or... there is, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Because the entire—I mean, spoilers to people, I guess.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty big the... spoiler if you haven't been on the internet or
1: something. So, so uh, issue eight reveals that, as they pretty explicitly said the previous issue, but like now they they have like laid it out entirely. Wally mm-hmm. West is responsible for everyone dying. Um, yeah. however. This issue reveals, as opposed to the previous issue, that it was an accident.
2: Uh-huh.
1: That that Wally did did not mean to kill everyone. It wasn't the, the you know Rich Johnson for for months now has been like Wally West shoots up a diner because he's you know he's gone insane. Uh-huh. No, like it's 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 a uh, it's an accident. Uh-huh. It kills everyone, but at the same time, like Wally West has has had a uh, has had a breakdown. Uh-huh. And as in an earlier issue of the series, I can't remember which one, the breakdown is explicitly because of the expectation everyone had that because he returned from the multiverse, i.e. DC Rebirth, mm-hmm. that he was savior. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't deal with being the savior. Mm-hmm. And that him returning... Was not him returning in full. He was robbed of his family. He was robbed of his past, and he could not get them back
2: mm-hmm.
1: because he returned into this different reality where he was not allowed to have this family unit, which he remembered mm-hmm. that he had. A, he had a break. Mm-hmm. He had a breakdown, and and he could never be a. He could never live up to people's expectations because they were unrealistic. But b he he was brought back as a, a it wasn't really him that was brought back. Like no one was interested in him, everyone was interested in him as a figurehead. Mm. He he as a as as a person or as a character was ignored in favor of the I the um the metaphorical importance of the return. Mm-hmm. And that no one can live up to that, and that ultimately no one cared about. It. Uh, not unlike, and again, this is not unlike Tom King, uh, a reference to a Morrison thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's it, the Coyote it Gospel,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? Or, or the last issue of Animal Man mm-hmm. that no one thinks about the character.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone thinks about like you know the what does this mean for the universe? Mm-hmm. Like as from a reader's point of view, mm-hmm. you know. Um, And it feels like a critique of the expectations surrounding Rebirth and potentially the expectations surrounding the creators working on Rebirth, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that it was going to, like, quote-unquote, fix the DC universe. Right. When it was never intended
0: to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But... Wasn't it? I mean, that's the part where I'm sort just, of like... joking? Yeah.
1: Yes and no.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, it was intended to fix the DC Universe insofar as it was a course correction, but it was not intended to reset the status quo to what it was. Mm-hmm. Do you see the differentiation?
0: I do see the differentiation. I also feel like... Uh, it doesn't really count. It doesn't matter. Well, I, 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 to me, the problem is is that it's sort of... The mapping starts getting woogly because I feel like part of the problem is, I mean, are multifold. One, I feel like a lot of people were actually more excited by the return of Wally West, of Wally as a person. You know, like that character, people had bitched about that character being gone. And the fact that that character was back seemed like... A big deal and again kind of that beacon of hope kind of thing. But also like people care about really did care about Wally. You and I have actually talked about it's kind of our favorite flash, and that's not a feeling, you know, we're not unique in that regard.
1: So I feel like Oh no, no, not at all. Like I think there's there's
0: you know, entire generations for whom that's true. Yeah. So so part of me is like that doesn't really ring completely true I, I
1: see that that just to me like proves my point i guess that that like there's there's more than just like the return of the character seen there like it's what does it like there, that it means something that he was brought back really? and in large part i think that's uh the fault in quotation marks of
0: Johns and of the DC Rebirth one right. shot. Right. The DC Rebirth one shot makes it super 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 explicit, but I do also feel like people reacted as if like oh this character like they're happy to see the character again. It's also a signal but people in and of themselves were happy about like again Wally as character. So I don't think it's all a weird bunch of mapping. Like it may be what I see why King's putting it out there, but in the sense of if King's putting it out there, if if King's putting it out there, right. There's, (laughs) there's a reading that's there. What I find fascinating is, is that reading really ignores um, uh, it it just doesn't map very cleanly there. Like part of me is like those expectations were put there by DC's marketing team, not by the people that read the comics, you know, and the, the, you know, like you said, John's context within the issue, but also like there was a very explicit apology tour that was done. Like it doesn't like, it's all, it's all put in, in, a a very specific but but again i
1: i I think there's a difference between we didn't do the new 52 right we'll try harder and we're bringing back the old universe as you remember it
0: they ran so closely together look at the stuff with superman where they very explicitly bring back the old characters Right. I, no, I, I, I know. I understand what you're saying,
1: but I'm saying that they're still like, even though they are really fucking close, they're not the same thing. And I can see if you are. And again, this is me really putting stuff on Tom King that I, he has never sure. come close to saying. Right. Just right. like, mm-hmm. like, go with me into this hypothetical world here. Sure. I agreed. If you are a creator like Tom King, mm-hmm. who is doing a book in Rebirth
2: mm-hmm.
1: and has no desire to like redo the post-crisis DC. Mm-hmm. But rebirth is being understood to be a return to post-crisis DC. Mm-hmm. It is not impossible for me to, for that to become the context with which you see the fan response, mm-hmm. you know? And therefore like, that's what you respond to when you create, that's what you're, that's the environment you're working in when you're creating a book that is commenting on the fan response. Again, King has never said anything to the effect. Mm-hmm. This is all my reading and my extrapolation. Right. Right. You know, it, it, but to bolster that or contradict or connect it to this nonetheless is Heroes in Crisis continuity doesn't make sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Because since when has Ted Cord been Blue Beetle? In U52 slash Rebirth Continuity. Mm-hmm. Like, there are references to things that theoretically didn't happen because mm-hmm. of Flash. Right? right? And again, I don't know if this is people have not done their homework or this is all taking place after Doomsday Clock, which is going to reset the universe. Or, do you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. stuff that just, like, throughout all of that, I've been like, I don't, like, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm really happy to see you know, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold together again. I love the old Justice League comics, right? But also, there's part of me. It's like, but how though, right? You know, like, but what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a thing again, a thing I can't talk about, but I know that is coming up. Mm-hmm. That again, I'm like, but how? Mm-hmm. like are we now just in a point of view where everything is taking place after doomsday clock even though doomsday clock hasn't finished mm-hmm. and it's is different are we just assuming the continuity is just broken mm-hmm. and everyone can do whatever story they want now right or is there something else happening mm-hmm. um that's my way of saying there is going to be a comic at some point in the future, which is going to reference something that at least it was my understanding that this something did not happen in the d c universe anymore wow. Oof. right um so, and and it's not like you know an accidental thing it's a selling but it's not a bug, it's a feature
0: right right, you know yeah yeah no i so I think it is a little it, it there there there's there's a lot that's kind of distressing there um i'm i'll be fascinated to see how it wraps up the thing that again
1: yes it it feels the idea that's got one issue left and it has everything to wrap up that needs to wrap up is crazy to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um heroes in crisis is uh i think one of the kindest things you can say about it is it's a very ambitious comic (laughs) because there are plot threads out there that I genuinely don't think can be wrapped up. And also, like Doomsday Clock, mm-hmm. it feels 100% out of sync with everything else that's happening in all the other DC books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like Doomsday Clock theoretically took place a year ahead of the, all the other books and that was their explanation for it. Mm-hmm. But like, when does Heroes in Crisis happen? Because it's like it's been referenced in other comics.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the stuff that's mentioned... Feels like it should be playing out more, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Mm-hmm. Like if if so, have you been read was issue eight like first time you've read it since like issue two or something? Oh no, I I I'll be honest, I still didn't read it. I just purely I read reviews and reaction. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so, so in
1: in the meantime,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, someone again spoilers. We now know it's Wally mm-hmm. recreated all the data from Sanctuary, which is. Every superhero's like confessional,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then gave it to Lois Lane, who published it. <laughs> right, right. So the idea that this is in continuity, right, and it's not like drastically changed the entire DC universe, right, is mm-hmm. wacky. Mm-hmm. You know, so unless unless the final issue is they go back in time and they stop that or Lois didn't really publish it. To be fair, I think Lois only published like information that Sanctuary existed. Mm-hmm. I don't think she would, like, was like, haha, and here's everyone's confessionals I put up on WikiLeaks. I don't think it's like that. Right. Um but still, like, you know, I feel there should be more done. Part of, you know, Heroes in Crisis has always been a really odd series mm-hmm. because it's based around the idea that, you know, there has always been this hidden sanctuary for for superheroes like a trauma center that everyone can go in but the problem with that is because it's hidden like literally you've had maybe like three mentions in other comics and that's because the other comics knew this was coming up and they decided to drop a hint
0: right one of which was tom king's exactly right right. yeah Mm -hmm. so you then
1: have this weird thing where like you know the first issue is like oh my god sanctuary's gone right every response is like okay but we didn't know what it it existed yeah right right? like Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for pre-release hype we wouldn't have had any idea about this so what are we supposed to take from the fact that it's gone Mm -hmm. and then it's like but it's a murder mystery who did it and then the rest of the series is like it's kind of a murder mystery it's kind of a character drama it's kind of just you know people talking about trauma Mm -hmm. and there's also this like you know who all the data and released it? But we're also not really good, going to do anything about this, right? Like, you know, I think it was two issues, maybe three issues ago, where like Lois published the story, mm-hmm. and there's been no follow up in the even it, the comic itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's this weird thing where it's like, what is this comic? Yeah, I'd say that as someone who likes Tom King and has liked a lot of this series like a lot of the series again on on an individual issue basis like i've been like oh i really liked that or you know this emotional beat hit with me or whatever but as a whole Mm -hmm. what is this comic right like it it seems just in a bubble but in order to have any impact it can't exist in a bubble but also there's so much stuff going on in the rest of the dc universe yeah it's not given any space to to land like theoretically the batman flash crossover right um from from like two months ago or something mm-hmm. um was going to show like you know how batman and flash have fallen out because of what happened at, at sanctuary <laughs> but it didn't
0: no no it really was like two it was captions like, like and the, like yeah, i'm yeah, really like, upset like, at batman I can't trust him
1: I can't trust him either <laughs> you know? and so so you have this weird thing where the series should have these big reverberations like in order to work it has to have it has to go across the entire line right. but it can't because it's happening at the same time as Scott Snyder's Justice League which is having these big reverberations across the line and like sort of cancels out Heroes in Crisis if that makes sense
0: well I I think you're right but also I, I think that uh, you know um, Bendis' is Superman. Bendis' is Superman is very much doing its own thing and does not seem like it's weird how much you it, like. Bendis is clearly enjoying playing in the DC Universe and, and putting characters in there and throwing lots of stuff forward for other people to pick up on. But it's almost like everyone seems kind of too busy, you know? Like King is doing. You know, the at least Heroes in Crisis is talked about a little bit as having the members of the Trinity involved. So you got Batman, you got Wonder Woman and Superman, you know, uh-huh. but and you've got the tie in with like Lois Lane that should have a reverberation in the Superman books. And maybe it would have been or supposed to be, except they got Bendison on Superman and he's like, I'm going to do my own thing. And they're like, whatever, baby, whatever makes you happy, you know, and so yeah, it it is interesting how much it feels like it's supposed to be an event that is supposed to be as as many events usually do, like to have the openings for all the inevitable tie-ins, and yet doesn't. Heroes in Crisis, of course, because of the murder mystery angle, and I guess because of the cynicism, feels or what many of us are taking as cynicism, uh, perceived cynicism, reminds me a lot of identity crisis, you know?
1: I, I, I think, like, that's been true since the start. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think even when it was announced and the, the murder mystery element was announced, I think everyone was like, oh, it, it's identity crisis, like, 2019. Right.
0: And I, as I recall, I feel like identity crisis... Was it also relatively self-contained minus the whole, like, <laughs> Justice League the element? Like the, yeah, yeah, but there was also, like, there,
1: there were crossover issues. There was, like, Justice Society crossover issue. There was a, a Flash crossover issue. Actually, thinking about it, maybe it was all crossover issues that Jeff Johnson was writing. hmm Because there was Justice Society, there was Flash, there was Teen Titans. Mm. There were crossover issues. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, because there was also that whole thing of like someone got brainwiped, right? Who the hell got? Everyone got uh, brainwiped. Uh, half the Justice League got brainwiped, brain right? And so the, the whole Batman thing... being one of them, but right. that was the, like that was the selling point, yeah. Okay, just wanted to check. I realized, like, I'm like, wait, why am I getting this confused? I'm like, oh right, Jonathan Heckman did the brainwipe it over in avengers and i never really it's, connected with that huh as a it's brain wiped avengers uh, avengers there's the thing with the with the gem don't they where they turn around and they wipe the the illuminati it's, wipe shit somebody's Captain brain
1: America's white. yeah
0: exactly exactly yes. right and i'm like yes. oh, i never saw the connection between those two and of course i'm like oh but but of course like it's very similar when i say it out loud Anyway, so, yeah, I was wondering, because, of course, Identity Crisis, for whatever reason, I only very much experienced it in as its own thing. um, And I didn't really track whether there were any tie ins. But so maybe Heroes in Crisis, again, in that sort of like, oh, it's a murder mystery kind of way. It's supposed to also be self-contained. But I feel like Identity Crisis, because of the whole like secret you know the dark secret of the justice league that was something they tried to play with in other titles for a bit so yeah i don't know i mean it's you know you've got morrison on the green lantern and so it sort of feels like green lantern is not part of the continuity it sort of feels, you know what i mean like it all feels everything well, feels like it's, its own thing
1: yes and no yeah it's true like there is that but at the same time Green Lantern kind of gets away with that because Green Lanterns are in Justice League. It's just that it's John Stewart, mm-hmm. you know, and John is is a, a big part of Justice League of right. the, the Justice League stuff. Right. And Justice League ties in with, um, you know, the other Justice League books, but also, you know, there's stuff that's happening in other books that sort of tie in with it. And then Justice League is going to introduce you're the villain. Mm-hmm. uh next month mm-hmm. um which is line wide mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like justice league literally is a plot like explodes
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and goes goes line wide uh for i think 4 months mm-hmm.
2: uh
1: in a crossover format that is both a crossover and not crossover like mm-hmm. you know about year of the villain right
0: not uh, or uh, it's been announced and i saw a promo poster
1: Okay, so basically what it is
0: is um, – because you've not been reading Justice League, have you? That's right. I, I dove off around issue 9 or 10.
1: Yeah. Okay, so Justice League – you so you were there for basically Lex Luthor thinks he has found something. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Lex Luthor has found the quote-unquote secret history of the DC universe, mm-hmm. which is that the Monitor and the Anti-Monitor and a character called the World Shaper, World Builder, um, are all – brothers and they're all sons of a creature called Perpetua who is essentially like a goddess of uh, chaos. Like mm-hmm. a being whose entire purpose is to create a universe and then move on and create a universe and create a universe and move on. Right. But she created this universe and then was like, like fuck this. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be worshipped. <laughs> this okay. is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And the her, her, her children were like no. Like, mm-hmm. this is bad, you're dangerous, you're trending everyone towards chaos, we are going to lock you away, and that's what the Source Wall is. The Source Wall is the prison that keeps her in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: As a result of events in Justice League, the Source Wall has been broken. Right. She has escaped, she is what Lex Luthor's been working towards, Lex Luthor is going to, in the Year of the Villains storyline, with her backing, for want of a better, better way of putting it, mm-hmm. make an offer to all the villains of the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Pledge fealty to, to Perpetua, and you will have ultimate power, and you can basically win. Mm-hmm. The end. And that's the extent of the crossover. Mm-hmm. Lex is going to show up and make the same offer. Right. And then every book just goes and does its thing. Beyond that, there is a an arc that is going to be followed, so that all these storylines are going to conclude at the same time, and then it's going to go into something else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the, the books don't interrelate beyond basically like shows up and it's like, okay, like – you know, shake my hand, the like ultimate power or whatever, sure. which again is a, a recurring DC theme. Yeah, you know, we've talked about like, like that. Is, goes back to, I mean, that goes back to fucking kirby's Superpower series.
0: It's so you funny. Know? I I was thinking of um, God, what was the Necron Underworlds Underworld, uh, Underworld yeah. Unleashed? Underworld in the 90s, Unleashed, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But no,
1: like like the, the, literally the first issue of Kirby Superpower series mm-hmm. in in like eighty four or something. Is that mm-hmm. the series figures show up and offer the superpower villains ultimate power as long as they agree to to like beat the superheroes that's it right so like this again is a recurring theme mm-hmm. um but yeah so so but that you know snyder's thing has been announced as this is going line wide
2: mm-hmm.
1: so it is like it's having the effect something that like heroes in crisis should have mm-hmm mm-hmm but Heroes of Crisis doesn't have the chance to have it, because right. while we should all be being like, oh my god, what's Lois published? Is this going to you know change the entire you know the way that the, the world sees superheroes? Right. We also know that the supervillains are about to get godlike powers and are going to beat the shit out of the superheroes. Right. And also, if you're reading Doomsday Clock, which theoretically takes place a year in the future, we're also expecting... Like a superhero arms race to come out across the world, while something called the Superman Project like destabilizes everyone and turns everyone into a vigilante. Mm-hmm. Like, what is happening?
0: Right, right. Well, and there's some other thing too where it's like, because Bat, because there's the are the the mobs in issue one that are the protesting Batman related to the Superman Project yes. stuff. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's all it's all the same thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. The idea is like, and I think it comes out, out around like issue six or something of Clock, Um Papers have been found, which may or may not be real, mm-hmm. that suggest that the reason that so many superheroes are in America is because they're the result of um, experimentation. Right. They're a result of government experimentation to uh, to create a, a human nuclear deterrent, for what a better way of putting it. Right. Um, that will. Uh destroy the Cold War like the end of the Cold War that will that will upset the nuclear armed race because you have this other thing right. um the The revelation of this information significantly changes everyone's relationship with superheroes it significantly changes superheroes' relationships with each other because specific superheroes are named as being right. The, the result, like Firestorm, is one of them, which leads to Firestorm. This, this long-awaited team-up between Firestorm and Vladimir Putin in issue eight. Um, <laughs> but you know, like the it's it, but the the mobs in the first issue are are related. Well, okay. the, to be fair, the mobs in the first issue, of o'clock Clock, are not Batman-related, right? Are they not like two or three issue two or three? The mobs in the first issue are Ozymandias mobs. Uh, God. all of all you're right. Doomsday I'm Clock sorry. Is,
0: Right, all is, of Doom's Clock first issue. Right, right. Yeah. When when we see when we first see Bruce Wayne slash Batman, um, there are there are it's There are, issue there are, the, yeah, there are yeah. other mob there are mobs related to it that he's like yes. Uh, yes.
1: yeah so. yeah, and that that is the Superman project thing. But again, if that takes place a year in ahead a year in advance and everything has got to that point,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then surely that's going to happen at some point in. The other comics being released now, except they're clearly not, right. because when the fuck is Doomsday Clock going to connect to, to the to the other comics? Yeah, you no, know, like I I don't see a point of doing it. Yeah, I, or I don't see when they're going to do it. The all I can think is either they're going to cheat and say Doomsday Clock happened before Justice League, or the massive Justice League storyline is going to end with like, you know, well, we saved the day and everything's fine. And then like, you know, cut to person in an office being like, what is this piece of paper that says the Superman project? (laughs) You know, I can't, I can't see, I can't see how they're going to do it to be honest. Um, But again, it speaks to this, there's so much quote unquote important stuff happening in TC mm-hmm. that feels contradictory in a way that is a shame mm-hmm. because there's also a lot of stuff that is done really subtly
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that is like building to various things through connective tissue that hasn't been seen yet. Mm-hmm. That it's kind of a shame that like, uh, the disconnect between like Doomsday Clock and Heroes and Crisis, right, um, and everything else, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. kind of souring. Like you know, Green Arrow got cancelled mm-hmm. the other day or the other week, um, and it got cancelled. So the Green, La- Green Arrow is available for the Leviathan series, Ben's Leviathan series,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but in the story that gets cancelled, it's tying in with Snyder's Justice League series god you know yeah. like and so there is like this weird continuity that is there right. that is really like actually subtle subtle to the point where people won't see it
2: mm-hmm.
1: and like they'll see it six months down the line mm-hmm. but they won't see it right now um and then you see things like you know as you said like Bendis arrives arrived and it's like okay i've got my own plan and he does mm-hmm. like this is clearly building to very particular things in his books right um and they are interrelated, you know. Like uh, even his his Walmart Batman story mm-hmm. is connected to Wonder Comics,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Uh, it, but again, this connective tissue is really small, mm-hmm. uh, and, and in a way that, like in the old days, we'd love, right? Do you know what I mean? Like there, there, when we were when we were kids, Jeff, there was something fun about. You know, a character shows up in one book and then disappears and you think it's done and then the same character shows up 2 months later in a totally different book. Mm-hmm. You know, and we take that.
0: Right. But now it's like, uh really?" Right. Well, cuz cause, <laughs> cause, uh, you know, there's so many things going on when we were kids there there were fewer titles and they were they were also um less expensive, so it was easy to pick up a whole ton of them and be able to sort of see the comings and goings. I mean, that that's one thing. I think, of course, like you said, the, when you're younger, the, that is exciting. As you get older, like, there's a little bit of the, I just kind of want to do my own thing. Like, I just kind of want to follow this character.
1: I don't right, want so yeah, to have I, that. I just, I, which is where something like the Green Lantern helps. Yes. You know what I
0: mean, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I can just read this book. I want to read the Green Lantern comic. I can read the Green Lantern comic. Well, and, and I do have to say right now, I'm kind of having that... I I do have that experience with DC in a way that I sort of appreciate is it almost the, the sad part is in some ways it's, it's, it feels so freeform that it's like uh, that period of new Marvel that I was invested in where it was like, yeah, I could follow, I could follow these characters. I could just pick up whatever book I wanted and I didn't have to worry about what was happening in any other book. I do feel that with the DC titles that I'm reading. The problem is, is they're still sort of acting like they're all interconnected, you know? And so it is, it is, I I mean, I'm very lucky that way, but it's like Tom King's Batman and Brian Bendis' Superman don't necessarily feel like they're happening in this they sort of feel like they're happening in the same universe, I guess, but I don't really, they're not paying attention to each other. And I don't have to pay attention to them, even though I'm reading both of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I also have to say, I feel very, I realize now that for better or for worse, I, I want to say that I can read Tom King's Batman and be annoyed by it, but there hasn't been a lot of bleed over into the other Batman titles in the same way where it's like, I was flipping through one of the things that's really odd about DC universe is they keep the in-house ads in their, in their comics, at least the more recent stuff. So reading the dark side war is like at the end of it is all the promo DCU stuff, the DCU (laughs) promo pages. I was like, that's weird. Or, like, all these pages keep popping up for the Robin War. I'm like, oh, right, the Robin War, you know, and just another
1: that... Tom King thing.
0: Yeah, right. That's right. Oh, right. Is it was it King all the way through or was it King uh, I wanna
1: say, say King definitely wrote like the last issue.
0: I think he I think he wrote like the two actual Robin War comics in there. Sure, right. That I was curious if he wrote the Robin War ones as well as the Grayson stuff. But yeah, he, maybe he did. Yeah, no, it's weird. It was weird seeing King pop up. He wrote the Green Lantern Dark Side War one Yeah, shot.
1: right. Yeah, yeah, and
0: it was like Which I really liked. I like that issue. Honestly about. it was I, like, it, helps, yeah. it helps with the Dark Shannon art though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. At first I was like, ooh. And it's, Shainer like a little different from the way that I, I'm used to thinking of his work now, but still great. But yeah, yeah. no, that was surprisingly um, surprisingly satisfying. Again, kind of like that, oh, Tom King, here's a guy with chops, you know, kind of thing. I remember uh, back then when you thought he was a guy with chops, Jeff? Yeah, yeah, I still think that King has chops. I just, at the same time, also think that there's there's been a series of bad decisions, but we'll see, you know, whether that's being overextended or what. But, you know, I mean, I, I you know, I've got my whole issues with the Batman stuff, whatever else is happening. on, Like the Heroes in Crisis thing, like I just read that first issue and I was like, I do not have a good feeling about this. So it's been interesting reading the reaction on the Internet. You know, as a thing of like, oh, I'll want to talk to Graham about this, but realizing it sort of still has one issue left. Because what I do find uh, intriguing is the extent to which all the people that, that are complaining about Heroes in Crisis, it sounds like the sort of complaints that you would make, but you're not making them and you're kind of into it. And I'm like, Interesting so
1: I, Here's the thing: I've actually not seen the complaints. I know there are people complaining, but right. I haven't actually seen the complaints. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if that's literally because like I've just been lucky, mm-hmm. or I've not been on Twitter that much this week because I've been so busy. I don't know why I've not seen the complaints, but I, ha- I just haven't. So I don't actually know what the complaints are.
0: Well, uh, so the complaints uh, are generally that, uh, and and to go super fully into spoilers for people yet again. Uh so Wally kills err kills people by mistake. He sort of loses control and he kills people. The thing that a lot of people get upset about is Wally then uh frames Booster and Harley for this apparently. Yes. He yes. travels into the future, retrieves his own body, Um, Like, he, he basically kills himself in the future. He travels into the future, takes his body and brings it back into the past, basically creating an alibi for himself that looks quite foolproof. People who are complaining are like, A, why is he traveling into the future to basically create an alibi as opposed to going into the past and preventing this from happening? Why is he framing other heroes for this rather than accepting accountability and responsibility for it? And, you know, varying degrees of... Even without Wally's family being in place, like the whole Wally-Barry bond and essentially Wally's Wally-Westness, which is, is that he is a more... Open, hopeful, and connected character than a lot of other characters that you could pick up in the DCU means that his behavior, particularly after the incident, but even to the extent that they could buy the. If it. it, Wally seems out of character for the type of trauma that he's experiencing. Then he seems. Incredibly out of character after the incident happens that kills people. They're upset about that. They're upset about a book that is supposedly about supposed to talk about PTSD and mental illness in a sympathetic way. Seems to reinforce stereotypes that uh, people with mental illness or PTSD are dangerous Uh, killers, you know, who will, you know, that it reinforces all kinds of, of negative images of, of that stuff rather than what King says he's trying to do, which is reinforce, you like create more empathy for people in these situations.
1: That's, uh, that's interesting. I would say that definitely my take on it is closer to King's. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Wally comes across as extremely empathetic.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think Wallace, Wally, I can I, I can see the argument of this isn't the Wally that we know. Mm-hmm. However, I also think that it's consistent with the Wally that we have seen in since Rebirth, because mm-hmm. um, it's like beyond the Rebirth special. In fact, kind of including the Rebirth special. Wally has been shown as essentially not belonging,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and, and and lacking. Like you know anyone anyone who to me has read the like the Dan Abnett Titan series,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and feels that this Wally West came from nowhere seems that seems strange to me. Um, even the Josh Williamson Flash appearances, mm-hmm. uh, which which to my mind were closer to, to quote unquote classic Wally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's still a connective thread there. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see, I guess. Like a take on the this is this is uh, more closer to um uh, like uh repeating stereotypes mm-hmm. than rebuffing them mm-hmm. but i think like I think while he comes across as as very uh empathetic i and honestly comes across as someone who is making a lot of bad decisions because they are broken mm-hmm. And
0: maybe it's easier to me. um... So if you're broken, you will frame other people for the murders you committed uh sure jeff that's exactly what i'm saying well i mean that Uh, is what happens in the book right and i mean you are saying that that is understandable because because he's broken so i mean i i was saying that's
1: no i i i guess i it's funny like i made me want to reread it because i can't remember if he sees it as that Mm
2: -hmm.
1: or if he sees it as and I like I really honestly might be misremembering because I re- I remembered it instead as that Harley and Booster were still alive and he put them back inside to confuse them as to what happened as opposed to explicitly framing each other.
0: I see. But again, I might be misremembering. Okay. Well, again, the miracle but, but, is but, I haven't read it, so I mean yeah. you're but, but misremembering.
1: But nonetheless, the the um. I, I I it uh, hmm hmm. I'm having trouble saying what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I want to say ultimately is that I think it's like it still falls for me under the very bad decision as opposed to character assassination. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Okay. Like, I buy it as that. I'm actually now looking at the, at the issue and seeing if I can find – let's see.
0: Well, this is true because this is the thing is what I'm going off of. Like, I have um, – I am perfectly willing to concede the fact that that just because there are no, 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 a no, bunch that, of angry no. Twitter follow- doesn't mean no, they're no, reading I'm, it accurately.
1: I'm, so, I'm looking yeah. at it right now, and the dialogue says explicitly um, – I had Sanctuary show each of them, the other one killing me. Harley saw Booster shoot me, Booster saw Harley wreck me, leaving them to assume to know that the other one did it. Mm -hmm. But he sees it as, he says he has killed me and everyone else. Mm -hmm. So he sees it as, as much as anything, like uh, more of his alibi Mm -hmm. that he is dead. Right. Like explicitly framing other people. But, you know, that's... Again, he explicitly says that he leaves them to believe that the other person did it, so he is framing them. Right.
0: Right. Okay. Well, thank you for double checking, because again, I am I am way on the sidelines, but I do find it it again that so and let me be clear. Uh... And, and he he does explicitly because I'm looking back at it now mm-hmm. he does explicitly say
1: that he's trying to create an alibi. Ah. Okay. That he's explicitly trying to create false leads for Batman and the Flash to follow. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, he, he is, even if he is not actively trying to frame Bruce and Harley, he mm-hmm. is actively trying to mislead the investigation. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he is very definitely not trying to take responsibility for what he's done. Yes. But for me, that makes sense mm-hmm. because his, his breakdown comes from a feeling a sense that he is responsible for everyone Mm -hmm. so like of course he's going to do something to try and avoid
0: responsibility you know right right oh i i i am willing to uh, uh concede the point i guess because it is it is the i I'm so close no, no, to it, it, arguing in it, just... ridiculous bad faith. Anyway, no, I just no, no, I appreciate just it. like, Cliff, like it.
1: it literally comes down to the you're like yeah. well I guess I have to give up because I've never read the comic. Yeah, you know exactly. And and maybe but I'll be here's, doing here's that. The thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see like I can definitely see the arguments that you're making mm-hmm. on of other people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's just like I don't have that response, I guess,
0: which is really interesting to me. That is the part that I find interesting and just sort of like, huh, like. And that, and I'm curious – like, it is fascinating to me how throughout the Heroes in Crisis series uh, – Oh, the- I've, I've wanted it to be better than it is continually. Yes. Well, and there have been times that you've I, I, said I, good I, things about it that I feel like other people have not. So I feel like yeah, – no, And there are there – are, like, there's a lot there that I like that I think other people don't. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. But it's also –
1: um in a weird way it comes from a disconnect from the idea of this is ridiculous an idea of character continuity Mm -hmm. and finding more value in like a temporary emotional connection if that Mm -hmm. makes sense sure you know which is which is funny to me because i am also the person who was like you know Matt fractions hawkeye is great but it's not hawkeye right you know and you know you look at honestly any character in heroes of crisis like tom king does not write booster gold as far as i'm concerned mm-hmm. he's writing someone called booster gold
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it's not booster gold it's just like it's a million miles away from Gold. i know right you know i right. know and, and, and maybe that's where i also come with the wally stuff mm-hmm. they like it makes sense to me judging from like you know what wally went through in titans what wally went through in flash war Right. The the bully is this, is having this response.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And like that emotional through line works. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyone who's like, this isn't the wally West of like the Mark Wade one, one hundred percent not. It's clearly not. Right.
0: Hmm. Well that, that does that does uh that illuminates things for me. It also I think makes sense because I feel like there's a certain King some of King's stuff has a real like uh, buy-in that it's like you're buying into the his worldview rather than necessarily the characters, and I feel like Mister Miracle is a great example of that. Like, yeah, I, no, I, I think I think it is right. You know, it's like good luck trying to figure out like who that Mr. Miracle and Barda are or where that might take place in continuity. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. That only would that, that series only works for me if you just ignore continuity. Exactly. Exactly. It, you... it only does. Yep. Yep. And honestly, like heroes in crisis kind of only works for me if you ignore continuity as well. Like I said, mm-hmm. like the, Blue Beetle stuff makes no sense. Right. There is, there's no way in continuity that works. Just as not. And honestly, like, some of the characters who show up in Sanctuary make no sense. Mm-hmm. When did Blue Jay appear in, in current DC continuity? When did Steel appear in current continuity? Mm. Like, they reference things that happened in comics that came out in the 90s. Right. Right. So part of me is just like, you know, again, if I look at it as something that's disconnected from, from continuity, it works. And I'm, I guess that's how I'm reading it.
0: Well, there we go. That that and I think of once course, you do it's, that it's being referenced in continuity. Like, you know,
1: you have the, the, the Batman Flash crossover where they're like, Oh, what happened to Tech Tree? I'm mad at each other.
0: Well Let's yeah, over- but it's pretty self contained in that sense, considering everyone else that's involved. Like I have no idea like I don't I sort of assume like Harley Harley Quinn's a pretty major character in Heroes and Crisis, so it seems to me, and it doesn't. Yes,
1: and it, like it's doesn't, it's not reflected anywhere else. What's going on with Harley?
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I think I, I don't know. Maybe that's the best way to read it, or it, in that sense, or, or or you are reading it in a way that that works best for you. And
1: it's, yeah, I, I don't know, but it's funny. It's funny you bring it up because like I remember when mr miracle started mm-hmm. there were a lot of people being like how does this fit into continuity mm-hmm. and the funny thing was i was like I, from the first time i read the first issue i was like i guess this is just out of continuity right <laughs> like yeah like, it just it didn't like it didn't bother me i was like it doesn't make sense in continuity so that's okay i'll just read it as if it's out of continuity right right yeah yeah, yeah. but you're right like Heroes a crisis is theoretically explicitly in continuity and right. so like I could I totally understand the, the people who are upset that it doesn't fit their idea of continuity. I totally get that. hmm hmm Whoa. Well,
0: it sounds terrible. I think I've given up on continuity <laughs> I I get it. I kind of get it. It sounds like I mean I think it's I think it's a harder thing to maintain. I, I think there's a point at which continuity can create continuity can be great like when you see things interplay between books
1: it's wonderful it's genuinely fun Mm -hmm. but there's also times where you know like I just said Heroes in Crisis and Justice League and Mm -hmm. Doomsday Clock can't coexist right like just cannot Yeah. like there's too much quote unquote big stuff happening at the same time and like you said where does the Bendis Superman stuff fall in this Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. You know, because like, Superman's talking to Lois, and Lois is publishing stuff, but in Bendis' stuff, Lois is in hiding writing a book after That's being right. in space for months.
0: She's not publishing anything, yeah. You
1: right. know? Mm-hmm. So, like, where does it fall? It's one of those things. Like, do you remember, I want to say it was in the 80s, like, someone essentially asked, like, where do all these, like, someone wrote into Marvel Comics, and were like, how, how is Captain America, you know, in Germany fighting Nazis? And like with the the Avengers in in New York, mm-hmm. however they're doing this. And the editorial was just like, they don't all take place at the same time. They take place around the
0: same time and will either tell you or it doesn't matter. Right. Right. Yeah. No. And I think there there's, you know, continuity starts off being that, that thing that you crave at a certain point, it becomes a huge inhibitor. Um, but i think there is you know sort of the the thing again like looking at the dark side war with rebirth or you know rebirth was so fashioned uh so tightly tied to the idea of like of doomsday clock and the dc rebirth titles are all kind of trundling along and dc the and the doomsday clock is happening in its little corner mm-hmm. and it i'm not sure it ever will Tie in in a way, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's, it's like...
1: so like it's so funny because Doomsday Clock started uh, what November twenty
2: seventeen
1: now, mm-hmm. uh, and was originally going to be monthly, right. and then you know, at some point ch- turned to bi-monthly. He's now slipped off his bi-monthly schedule. Yeah, but assuming that like they're not going to do massive rewrites or changes, mm-hmm. like there was promo art for Doomsday Clock featuring a Justice League that literally no longer exists. <laughs> You know? <laughs> right, right. Like, literally no longer exists. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, you know, not just their costumes are different. Like, two of them aren't in the Justice League anymore. Right. Like, the Justice League team is entirely different. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so there is a little bit... Again, I know that, you know, I started it off with this sort of crazy hobby horse theory that, as you pointed out, Rich Johnston's been happy to throw fuel on the fire, of this... uh Cold War between Johns and DiDio maybe it's just the fact that the the goal is to just keep the engines revving as quickly as possible and throwing as much logs on the fire as, as can keep things going and you know and so everything is kind of is just not keeping pace with one another but it is like I I am cur- I'll be curious to see if it doesn't it it is weird to me from the distance and I'm not paying a lot of attention but like you said Scott Snyder's Justice League feels very central in a way and even even god help me the weird like the Batman Who Laughs miniseries, which we haven't talked about at all, I haven't picked up any issues of it. But again, seems to be an enormous surprise hit for DC uh, and has, you know, seems to be in part paving the way for this year of the villain thing that it's, it just, it, it. I can't say anything. Ah, right. sorry. Yeah. Cause, and you would know much more. So yeah.
1: Um, no, this, this is what I'll see. It's clear to anyone who's been reading Justice League yeah. that the Batman Who Laughs series is not a standalone thing, except it is. It's one of those things that, like, you can read it and right. enjoy it in and of itself, right? But
0: there are connections to other things. Ah, in there, got it. Well, and that that makes sense to me. I still don't think they were expecting it to be quite so big. Oh yeah, a no,
1: I, I I I'm not sure they were.
0: Yeah. But uh, anyway,
1: oh, you, oh, you know what I can't say to be like completely spoilerish and dickish. Sure. Um, I got to read an early version
0: of the Last Night on Earth,
1: the the uh, the, the Scott Snyder Greg Capullo. Oh Last yeah, Battle right. Story.
0: Which I just started seeing some ads for. Yeah, 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 yeah. Huh. Jeff, you know how you liked their Batman run together, yep. and
1: it got increasingly loopy. Yep. Did you like the loopy?
0: I i mostly did and i know that you'll it... like this comic exactly exactly ever since hearing his little description of his little high catchphrase is i'm like yeah i'll check it out It sound it does yeah, sound
1: it's, insane it's it's pretty much like for people who thought that. It's you know, was it Endgame? Was that actually the name of the, the final uh, Snyder-Capullo thing, or am might literally just Avengered out? It was called Endgame, wasn't
0: there it? There was an Endgame arc that I don't remember if it was the final arc, though. Um, but right. yeah, anyone who thought that, like, that
1: was cool and they wanted more of it?
0: Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's there, people. Uh, yeah. what's, two things are nice about it. One, Capullo is just a very good artist. Yes. He just um but when he's colored by his FCO what are they called? Oh the, yeah, yeah. Whoever yeah, yeah. did the, the whoever did the Batman run. Yes. And like is is given to doing like, you know, wonderful neon colors. Yes. Yeah, that's I mean it looks amazing, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. I'm I, I gotta admit I will be And when you've got Snyder going like weird because mm-hmm. Snyder does weird in a way that's that's really fun. Mm-hmm. But when he's doing weird with that art team
0: Yes, yeah
1: yeah, yeah 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 this is this is my way of saying jeff right you'll like this comic when it comes out
0: i i think that i will i'm looking forward to it so uh i think i'm looking forward to it like it's that weird thing of like the loopy weird stuff i think helps um i was getting a little uh frustrated by some of snyder's snyderisms on justice league but it's been kind of that's sort of the nice thing about just sort of stopping reading is like they don't seem to bother me as much anymore. So you know because they're not happening, and maybe when I go back in in I'll have more patience if they do pop up, which they might not. You know.
1: Yeah, I um I th- I think you'll be happy with it. I I think you really will be happy with it.
0: Great. Well, that is, that's good news. Someday we've got to do one of these where we actually dig into Marvel. Like I realize, like, I sort of I, like, yeah, I feel like we've just been so DC centric. I, I, last... I am hoping, I am mm-hmm. hoping that, um,
1: before next episode, you'll have seen Endgame.
0: Yes. Right.
1: Um, and that we can talk about that, but also I'm hoping that we can talk more about immortal Hulk.
0: Mm. Um, but also about the Avengers book and war of the realms. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely. I, I thought about mentioning this most recent issue, but yeah, we will definitely talk about that. That sounds fabulous to me. And I think that's probably a big sign because we talked a lot. Yeah, we
1: were like three hours.
0: (laughs) We're well over two and a half. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we've been talking for a really long time. Um, Yeah. No, we should should 100% wrap this up, Jeff. Yeah. Agreed. This is where I'm going to say that there's going to be show notes for this episode up at waitwhatpodcast.com that you should check out our Instagram at instagram.com forward slash Pod, so that you should check out our Tumblr waitwhatpod.tumblr.com and that you should check out our Twitter account at Wait what Podcast. Jeff Lester has a Twitter account. It's at lazybasted at l a z y b a s t i d, but he's not going to be there until he's seen Avengers so don't expect much from it. I have a Twitter account at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M and I am like, around – when I have really heavy workloads, I'm around less. But, you know, if you once see me go and complain about, like, Star Wars comics, that's what I've been doing a lot lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and we are a Patreon-supported podcast, which is Jeff's uh, introduction to say the following.
0: Yes. Um, Graham, when is Free Comic Book Day? It's next Saturday. It's uh, the May the 4th. Okay. So, I – so, hmm.
1: I we sh- sh- it's, it's a Saturday following when, we're, uh, when this will drop. So right. everyone, free comic book day on Saturday.
0: Yes, which will be interesting because normally Graham has read the free comic book day comic books and can give us some advice and recommendations on what to pick up. But we totally ran out the clock i did want to mention that i haven't so i can't oh well good okay that that works out uh i did want to mention that um i once again recorded uh an episode i was a guest on luke Hare's exiled podcast which is a comic book role-playing podcast had a very fun time um he does he does a sort of uh, intro slash out of continuity episode with special guests that he he drops on Free Comic Book Day and this year it is me Madison Rowan, uh, Gene Atizer, and Mister Al Ewing uh, all role playing a very very strange uh, adventure. That I am very excited. It was a lot of fun. I got to say I had I had a lot of fun. It was loopy as hell. Uh, Al Ewing is hilarious. He's incredibly hilarious in character but it was just it was just some crazy crap it's apparently already up for patreons of luke's uh luke's patreon account um supporting exiled but look for it on free comic book day where it drops for everyone else i i had a lot of fun with it hopefully that means if you were interested you will have fun listening to it that being said uh, because Luke, Luke is also supported on Patreon. Patreon does a really great job of sort of incentivizing people to go loopy, and I, I feel like we're definitely, uh, I think we have to mention ourselves in that category, we're incredibly lucky that all of our listeners um, are so supportive and interested, interesting and interested. Um, I've Deeply, deeply enjoy reading uh, the comments threads at our website. I try to not chime in too much, but there's some great stuff there. I don't know if you saw a gram, but there was a th- link that Matthew Murray came up with the, to the Judge Dread board game that was released back in the 80s Yes, so exciting to read that and of course there's beautiful shots of of the player cards which my god i now actually know who those characters are and we're delighted seeing like the fact that they came up with a board game where you know you turn a card over and it's a defeat for you because it's the guy who like you know, confesses to crimes that we just met. Old What's-His-Name. Um, just really Old, wonderful. What's his name? Old What's-His-Name. Old What's-His-Name. Yeah, I feel like it starts with an F, but remember, he's the one who ends up like... No, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. Just yeah. like that you said, Old What's-His-Name. Old What's-His-Name. Anyway, uh, I, I am shocked that I have read three years of Judge Dread, and I'm going to keep going, and that is a direct result of the support of people on Patreon, so... I'm really incredibly grateful for making this possible. In, uh, I should give a shout out to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, um, to whom we're especially grateful for her continuing support of this podcast and uh this this section of the universe. Thank you, everyone. Seriously, I I am grateful. <clears throat> Graham, hi everyone, it's me
1: again. <laughs> you might have heard me go <clears throat> in the background because I forgot to mute myself that's okay we can all like hopefully jeff will edit that out and if he doesn't that's just how the cookie crumbles it's how the sausage is made we're having cookie sausages everyone I hope <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're gonna be back next week right jeff yeah we are we are with another wait what and again i better get my ass to end game so that we can talk
1: about it so just just go multiple times and that way you can see like you know an hour a night or something
0: <laughs> Oh, I will say this: it seems shorter than Infinity War. That's that's what I keep hearing. I keep hearing that people yeah. are like, it it tends to halt. Because I did
1: I did I did go on going. Oh, fuck! Three hours, and nice. it seems short. It does okay. seem short. Got it. So that's something, I guess. Mm. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Until then, bye.